It's time for Twit This Week in Tech. Alex Kantrowitz is here from the Big Technology Podcast. Uh, Nicholas De Leon from Consumer Reports and flew all the way in from Vatican City. Father Robert Balazer in studio, the digital Jesuit. Lots to talk about this week. Of course, there's those five new bills in Congress to censor big tech. We'll see if they could pass. Alex has an opinion. Might surprise you. Also coming up, we're going to take a look at Windows 11. Father Robert's running it. He says it's not that big a change. And would you like to buy the original source code for the World Wide Web? It's an NFT. All that coming up and a whole lot more next on Twit. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit. This Week in Tech. Episode 828. Recorded Sunday, June 20th, 2021. Space, 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 space. This episode of This Week in Tech is brought to you by Worldwide Technology and NetApp. With an innovative culture, thousands of IT engineers, application developers, unmatched labs, and an integration center for testing and deploying technology at scale, WWT helps customers bridge the gap between strategy and execution. To learn more about WWT, visit www.wwt.com. And by Udacity. Gain in-demand tech skills in as little as three months with Udacity's part-time online tech courses. Visit udacity.com slash twit and get 75% off any program with the code TWIT75. Offer ends June 30th, 2021. It's time for TWIT This Week in Tech, the show we cover the week's tech news. And uh, we got a great panel for you. We're continuing in our uh, plans to slowly bring people back in studio. And look who showed up. Just got off a plane from Rome. Father Robert Balasser, the digital Jesuit, is in-house. Robert, it's so nice to see you. It's nice to be seen. How long has it been since you were in the studio last? Uh, at least a year. I mean, because I was, I was out of the States all of 2020. So, it, yeah, we'd have to go back to probably 2019, maybe around June or so. Oh, man. It's been a while. It's been a while. Man, this this pandemic is just been endless but it's it seems to be sorted at least here i know not so much in italy yeah we've uh it's it's gotten really bad down in the south so the south wasn't hit early on it was mostly the it north. was the north right and yeah. the north is where they concentrated the vaccination program so now like sardinia is terrible oh uh, don't, don't go down and unfortunately we're also getting a lot of the younger generation that is tired of the pandemic so well, they probably also can't get the vaccine. They can't. Right? Right. They're, they're yeah. doing it by age level. So I still can't. I, at my age, I still can't get it. Wow. I'd be able to get it probably in August. And because they're trying to get everyone with at least one dose, they're spreading it out. So it's a three-month, two, two-and-a-half to three-month wait between doses. Which may also impact the effectiveness. <laughs> correct, yeah. correct. Well, I'm glad you came home, and I presume you got it when you got here. I got here. my Pfizer's. I'm all good. I yeah. got my double stamp. It's You got your sequel injection? <laughs> I, I, there are so many good jokes for Isn't all that a good that. one for that second. I think Alex, I think it was Alex who came up with that. Alex Kantrowitz is also here from Big, Techno Big Technology, his Substack <laughs> newsletter. Uh, longtime tech guy who's uh, become a sovereign writer on his own. It's great to see you. Welcome. It's great to see you too, Leo. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming back. Me. Yeah. How's it going with the, uh, the big technologies? How, when did you start it? Started actually. This is a good time to celebrate. It's a year old uh, as of this month. 
Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been real fun and it's going well. Uh, just surpassed ten thousand subscribers. Oh, that's which, great! Thank you. Yeah, so people seem to be uh, signing up and sticking around, which is a good sign. And that was definitely an early goal: hit ten thousand. The first ten thousand is the hardest, so we made it over that hill and you know onwards and upwards. Very congratulations! That is a big number. That's a Thank big you. deal. That means it's sustainable. That's wonderful. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Also joining us from a little publication you might have heard of, Consumer Reports, Nicholas De Leon. It's always great to have you, senior reporter, senior reporter and technology guy at Consumer Reports. Elio. Hey, good to see you. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Again. Yeah, you are you in Upper New York State? I am in the Hudson Valley in New York nice. State, which is about 90 minutes north of New York City. I Consumer Reports is based in Yonkers, which is like 30 minutes north. And then I'm another hour north of that. So I love the Hudson Valley. It's so pretty. So yeah. pretty up there. Um, and it's good to have this particular panel here because we are talking about big tech in a lot of different ways. But so much to talk about. We will talk about you were running Windows 11. Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be announced later this week. We will talk about that. But I want to talk about what happened last week, which is Congress introduced not one, not two, not three, not four, but five regulating bills regulating big technology a little less than a week ago alex of course this is right up your alley um the bills are mostly antitrust you actually break them all down which is nice bill one the american innovation and choice online act which is the um a-i-a-c-o-a iacoa uh, doesn't not there are a good, also sorts of fun acronyms for these. Usually so. they have good acronyms. That one's not so yeah. good. The ending platform monopolies. These were all introduced in uh, the House of Representatives. That's, That's Bill right. 2. Three is Augmenting Compatibility and Competition by Enabling Service Switching Act. This is the only one that I kind of really think is a good idea. It's the Interoperability Act, essentially saying that data should be portable. The Merger Filing Fee Modernization Act of 2021. This is the one that... Everybody says will probably become law. The Senate even will probably pass this. All it is is another tax. If you file uh, for a merger, there's uh, the, the new higher fees will pay for uh, regulation. That's, uh, I think, Elizabeth Warren's uh, bill. Yeah. And the bill Senate has, has already passed already, it. So. That's right. They passed it. Now the House is on a clear path. Bill. Yeah. And, but the rest of them probably not. Bill 5, Platform Competition and Opportunity Act. Mm -hmm. So Alex did a great job, all five of them in one spot, if you want to read them. But what is your take on these? Uh, besides the, the additional fee for mergers, does any of them have a chance? Well, I've long said that um, there's very little chance that big tech is going to actually be reined in. Yeah. And that they'll, they won't be broken up. They won't face serious legislation. Congress doesn't know what it's doing. The regulators are weak. Uh, I am starting to change my tune a little bit. Oh. I'm not saying that these will necessarily be passed, but I'm saying there is a better chance of these things being passed into law and signed by Joe Biden uh, than I think we should have, we could have anticipated in the past. The fact that Lena Khan is running the FTC, which I know we're about to get to, and the fact that these bills have bipartisan support, some of the exact same bills have been introduced in the House, passed in the Senate, have bipartisan support in the House, and the... Um, the wild card is Rupert Murdoch, who is no friend to big tech, is pushing Republican lawmakers to support these bills. And you've seen Tucker Carlson go after those who haven't. 
Uh, and so there, that way you can have anti-big tech Democrats coming together with Republicans who already don't like big tech because of the censorship claims. And then you have Rupert Murdoch who doesn't like them because of the business uh, realities. Everybody comes together in one big happy family and actually can cause some damage here. So it, it, the, the smart money would say that there's not a great chance that four out of the five outside of the merger money will be will be passed. Uh, but the, I would say if you had like to bet on it, there's a much better chance that this stuff will go through now than there was, you know, a couple of years ago when senators were asking Mark Zuckerberg how to send email through WhatsApp. <laughs> right. And, and of course, the right has one reason they want to regulate big tech, primarily stemming from Facebook and Twitter's banning of the of President Trump. Uh, the left has another reason. It's more antitrust. It's because traditionally Republicans are pro-big business, right? Right, yeah. And this really doesn't touch on the censorship issue that the right is so concerned about. Three out of the five bills here, I, I admit, when I first read them, it, it gave me the, the can spam act vibe where, OK, it sounds good, but they're not going to really enforce this. It's going to be impossible to actually do anything with it. But the fact that they've they've picked Khan to to head up that office and you could essentially take three out of the five bills from her paper, the one that she published on platforms and, and commerce uh, that she did for the uh, Columbia Law Review. Lena Khan is the new chairman of the FTC, youngest yes. ever, 32 years yeah. old. And is very well known for her uh, anti-big tech right. uh, writings. And, and this is not a coincidence. They're essentially giving her the ammunition she needs to go after them. So if she had just taken over, it would have been an uphill battle. If the bills were standalone, it would have been an uphill battle. But you have a commissioner who now has laws. It's all kind of lining up. There you go. Uh, you, Alex, you you'd call one of them a a, a dumb rocket, <laughs> not, a, not a well guided missile, and, and in particular, yeah. one of the five bills you don't like is uh, is the bill that would prevent, which actually on the face of it seems reasonable, prevent companies from acquiring potential competitors like Facebook did with yeah. Instagram and WhatsApp to to eliminate competitors in the marketplace. But you say that, and I think you make a good point here. That's going to hurt innovation because one of the reasons people start companies is so that they'll be acquired by a big tech company like Google, Facebook, Amazon, or Apple. Well, it's not so much that the end goal is to get acquired by big tech. I think anyone who starts a company really hopes that they'll IPO and become the next one of these companies. But most startups don't succeed. And so you want to have a safety net there just in case you don't reach IPO level. You don't want to end up capitulating and getting bought by a small company for a low amount of money or having to fold your operation. And these five big tech companies have made some big acquisitions for companies that aren't ready to go public, uh, but do uh, create some real value. And so it's not as much as like what's going to happen if they stop the acquisitions today. It's how does that change the incentives for startup founders? Because I think startup founders are pretty smart. They think about where they're going before they get there. And if they see that their predecessors aren't able to have impressive exits if they can't IPO, they might change their calculation about whether they want to start the company in the first place. And if we do have less companies starting in the country, we're going to end up having, as you mentioned, less innovation. And so I think that's a really big deal. You also make an excellent point, and we have a, a very good example of that. If companies are prohibited from acquiring other companies, Facebook did get Instagram and WhatsApp, but they wanted Snapchat, and Snapchat said no, then what they'll do is one of two things. They'll either create a competitive clone, which is what Facebook did to Snapchat, 
and try to put it out of the business that way, that, that might, you might argue, well, that's good because there'll be competition now. Or they acquire, they acqui- hire the people from that company. Right. They hire away all the good talent and then, in effect, hollow the company out from the inside. Neither, neither of which outcome really is, is, is ideal. I think it's probably better for Facebook to, to clone Snapchat than it is for them to buy it, though. So I think there's a good lens here is to look at it through the eyes of Lena Khan. Because her thing, and the way she's looking at monopolies and antitrust, is not just, oh, you're big, therefore you're a monopoly. She's looking specifically at platforming. So if you use your platform to then decrease competition, even if it keeps prices down, she believes that's still anti-competitive. So what she's, she's opening the door for is you can be the platform, but you have to be a common carrier. You can have acquisitions, but you can't have acquisitions if you also run the platform. Um, I think that's actually a good balance because I, I agree. I, I think that it can stop innovation if people don't know if they're going to be able to recoup their initial investment because they can't get all the way through with the startup. But you can have that without allowing the company to be bought by the dominant platform, by, by the, the Amazon, the Microsoft, the Apple. Uh, I, I, I'd like to give this a try. Well, don't we have, just to push back on this a little bit, don't we have regulatory agencies for a reason? I mean, we put Lena Khan in charge of the agency that evaluates these mergers and acquisitions. And now we're going to write a law that says the companies that she's focused on can't acquire at all. Like, I thought we had faith in this person to actually run an agency in a competent way, which it hasn't been up until this point. It hasn't had the resources or the staffing or the ambition. Now we have Lena Khan in there, and we're going to write a law that's going to take away the agency's ability to evaluate these mergers. Do it one by one. Do it on a case-by-case basis. You never know what's going to happen if you write what I, you know, I called it a dumb rocket because it's so broad uh, that there could be a ton of collateral damage. And uh, ultimately, um, you know, it's Congress saying we want to, you know, prevent every, we're going to have these companies around for a long time. We're going to have companies that meet these definitions that the con- that Congress put forward in the paper for a long time. And so I just find it a little bit ridiculous to say they can't acquire. I mean, it's just, that's not how a market works. It's, I thought these things are supposed to promote competition. And, and at the end of the day, I think this really inhibits it. Uh, now, Alex, I, I, I want to ask about that because my understanding was this is these are more soft touch. So the FTC would still be doing that evaluation, right? I mean, they would be the ones who could look at a potential deal and say, no, this runs afoul of that law or it doesn't. Or does this completely take it away from the FTC? I, I didn't I didn't read that part. Not look, it doesn't take it away completely. But when you look at the law, the prohibition on acquisitions is so broad that it would be really difficult for these companies to make the case that they should be able to acquire. I mean, basically it says, you know, you can't acquire something that's going to enhance your service or potentially competes with you. What's left? (laughs) I mean, I really don't know, especially look at the companies, the size that they are uh, and the amount of different things that they, uh, that they do. So honestly, just, I mean, we have an FTC to approve these things for a reason. So and it's just going to lead to all these downstream bad effects. Um, and, and I mean, just last thing about the law, it starts not with the exceptions, but with the broad prohibition. You can't make acquisitions unless, right, as opposed to these are the, potentially the type of acquisitions you can't make, leaving the rest open. So it's so broad. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't know. Look, I, I think that we have a package of five bills, as Leo mentioned at the top. Some are going to have some really good ideas. I think some have great ideas. I think funding the regulators is extremely smart. I've been calling for it for a while in big technology. Uh, some of the others, uh, other ideas talked about are also pretty good. 
but you're also going to have some, you know, pretty dumb and bad ideas. And I happen to think this is one. I'm welcome disagreement, uh, but I just don't see the need to do what Congress is outlining in this one. That's fair. That's fair. Also, the nature of this is that even if the House passes all five, well, all four, because uh, the fifth one, if the House passes, it's done. But there's uh, something in the way. <laughs> it has to not only get yeah. through the Senate, but it also has to get through reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Presumably, the Senate's going to have some other opinions about this. This is how the sausage is made. You right. you propose something, you you negotiate, uh, and maybe you come to a better law down the uh, at the end of the. I, I see line. the Senate suddenly wanting to insert language along with these bills to address the censorship item. I think at some point, though, also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Republicans have to stand up for what they've said all along, which is we believe in business and we believe in less regulation. This is not less regulation. This is more regulation. Uh, This is contrary to what Republicans have said for, you know, since 1920. So it is. Sorry. It is remarkable how Republicans and Democrats are so in sync on this. I mean, you look at these for different uh, reasons. Yes. In sync. Yeah. I I think twenty six the 2016 election turned them all against big tech. Right. The Democrats said you did Trump and then they uh, evolved that into your anti-competitive. And the Republicans said you're censoring conservative voices. And they said, what authority do we have to uh, take on these companies? And they involved that into competition. And so it, then you have a hearing where you have Amy Klobuchar and Josh Hawley, who would never agree with each other <laughs> on, on anything, anything. Yeah. giving each other time and, and riffing off of each other's yeah. points. That scares I mean, the hell this out is of me, why, to be honest with Yeah. You. So I say 2017, 2018, it didn't seem like anything was going to happen. But, you know, the government works in really interesting ways. And yeah. once you get something written down on paper, which we have right now, you never know where it's going to go. And so uh, the, I have given up the never never going to happen right. perspective could happen it is unpredictable, and you watch the way yeah. these these folks talk and even joe biden uh, is on board with a lot of this well stuff. he appointed he tim Wu uh to his uh, tim Wu. yeah i mean yeah clearly the biden administration is all in on regulating big tech yeah let's not forget europe is also all in on regulating big tech so uh, mm-hmm. I, I could see why Jeff Bezos retired. <laughs> it's I, I not think, a good time. I think the issue is both the Republicans and the Democrats agree on regulating big tech, but they don't want the other side to take a win for regulating Nor big tech. Nor do they really agree on the best <laughs> on ways why, to do it. Yeah, exactly. Why and what but, the best ways are. You know, our politics has become so much about public uh, punishing your enemies yeah. as opposed yeah. to supporting your causes. And Leo, when you talk about the Republican support for free markets, that's all I thought about was like, you know, they're mad enough that maybe this is where they end up going. Yeah. So and Bezos, I mean, I think I this past week I did a, a tweet talking about how, you know, once he heard Lena Khan was going to be the FTC commissioner, he said, OK, space doesn't really sound so bad. <laughs> well, you saw the petition uh, <laughs> that Jeff Bezos stay in space once he gets there. Yeah. Uh, I think there's something like 30 or 40,000 signatures. I, I don't know how exactly he would do it, but yeah, he's uh, only going to be there for three minutes. Yeah, so I'm sorry to good. disappoint it's everyone. He's yeah. coming back. He's coming back. Uh, so is Richard Branson. Well, if all goes well, uh, anyway. Um, Who is going to be the person who stands up and says, yeah, they banned Trump, but you know what? What would this pandemic have been like without big tech making it possible for us to go to school, for many of us to stay working? Uh, This pandemic would have been a lot worse without big tech. And let's not forget the, the technology, mRNA, that's given us the vaccine. It's so easy to make an enemy out of tech. But I think there's also I want to defend it a little bit because there's a consequence to this. We get a lot of benefits 
out of this. You know, one of the debates we've been talking about over the last few weeks is Amazon's sidewalk, which, you know, if it, did, if it came from anybody but Amazon, people might not have been so negative about it. Uh, it is, I think, Amazon's attempt to do something for the public good. But because it came out of Amazon and because they left, they had it on by default, I think people are going to, it's not, it's going to be a non-starter. Have you talked at all, Nicholas, about uh, about Sidewalk and uh, with your Consumer Reports audience? And what is your recommendation uh, to them? Uh, we have not, or I have not uh, written about Sidewalk, but I, I will want to sort of tag on to what you just said. And I, I sort of personally agree. I, you know, I've been covering... Uh, I mean, technology for 15 years now, I grew up reading like Sound and Vision magazine yeah. and, and things like that. All this stuff was like always fun and exciting and interesting to me. Uh, so I do understand people's concerns with, but like big tech, like I, I did, honestly didn't even re- recognize it. That's like, oh, that's like big tobacco until like <laughs> it a is. couple months ago. It is. And I'm like, people really hate these companies that, in you know, they've really improved our lives. And I, I get the concerns and I understand, you know, especially with, with the antitrust and I trust stuff and, and consumers having choice in the marketplace. But, you know, personally, uh, I don't know. I like, uh, I, I like, uh, I like Amazon. I use it all the time. Uh, <laughs> a lot of these companies have immeasurably improved my life. Uh, and, and, you know, I speak to readers all the time and they're, you know, they agree. I remember a couple of years ago, I was doing a big Facebook story and and talking to folks like, oh, how to use Facebook? And and to a person, they were like, oh, I use it to share, you know, baby photos and to, you know, like grandma's, uh, you know, funny posts. And it's like, I, may, maybe people are naive. Maybe people don't see the harm. But like for the average person, which is my audience and the kind of, you know, the headspace that I kind of live in uh, most of the time nowadays, uh, this stuff seems uh, maybe not academic, but like, uh, a very different, uh, a very different vibe, I think, to what sort of the average person feels. It's, Maybe I'm wrong. I don't it, know. No, it's the world we live in, where you can get people riled up. They banned the president on Facebook at the same time as they go, but I'm going to use it to say Happy Father's Day. Right. I love it <laughs> exactly. And I think people yeah. do actually love Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple. They do love it, uh, and it, they use that- it. Tomorrow is Prime Day. Per tomorrow and Tuesday are Prime Days. They're going to have huge amounts of traffic, huge amounts of people using Amazon at the same time as people saying, but I don't, which that's part of the sidewalk uh, argument that gets me because the people who are turning off sidewalk, the only way you could turn off sidewalk is if you have Amazon Echoes in your house or ring doorbells in your house. You're already giving Amazon images and sound and everything else. And you're worried about sidewalk? I mean, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I was with my parents in Las Vegas and uh, they live in a semi-retirement community. It's a little schizophrenic. Community. It's very schizophrenic. They, they were with groups of friends and they all started talking about how much they hated Amazon and they would never buy anything from Amazon. But they've got ring video doorbells. They right. do pill pill packs. Pill packs, they, yeah. They've got uh, the Amazon um, uh, Echoes in the house. So they don't quite understand exactly how much that, con- that Maybe that's reaches. part of the problem is that big tech is... So pervasive now. Right. You cannot escape it. We've seen articles years ago even from the, the New York Times. Was it Kevin Roos who said – or uh, Taylor Lawrence? Somebody mm-hmm. said, I'm not going to use the, any of the big five. And she basically couldn't use anything. That was Cash Hill. Cash Hill. Cash Hill, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, you know, without Google, Amazon – every site is hosted by Amazon yep. <laughs> or Google. We live in big tech. We're immersed in but it. Our, it's hard to imagine we- surgery that's going to leave the patient – alive and well. Aren't we getting to the issue here, which is that 
these companies, I think many of us agree, are a net positive to society. Yes. But and I'm going to steal this from Scott Galloway. He said this before. The key word is net. Right. So there's also a ton of things that they do that are a little bit, uh, you know, past the line. And so I don't think even though that they're, you know, I appreciate all five of these companies. I'm an Amazon Prime member. I'm a Facebook, you know, daily or weekly active user. I use the rest. Uh, but we should still not give up on the fact that some of the stuff that they're doing, you know, is potentially anti-competitive and might need to be reined in. And if you look specifically at, um, I've already talked about my my opposition to this prohibition of acquisitions. But if you look specifically at David Cicilline's bill, um, I don't like the whole thing. But the fact that it says if you're a company like Amazon or Google, you cannot take data from third parties that are using your services and then use that to enhance your services. I think that's pretty good because what you end up having is a number of small and medium sized businesses, whether they're software providers or whether they're merchants that are selling on Amazon. They end up losing out on potential market opportunity because they're forced to go through a Amazon or a Google to reach the people. Uh, that are going to end up using their products or buying their services. And they have this reality where Amazon and Google are taking their business secrets the way that they get by nature of the fact that they have to work on their platforms and using it to make their products great and and crowd out the competitors. And I think if you want to have a true competitive market economy, you can't have that happen because uh, online, you really only want to have one search engine. You really only want to have one e-commerce platform. Uh, because, you know, once once they become better than all the rest, why use anything else? So that's why I think we're seeing a moment where, you know, from if you take it in the good faith position, that's why I think you're seeing a moment where we're trying to rein these companies in a little bit because their excesses are, pro, you know, leading to the fact that others can't grow. So it's not that they're all bad. You know, there are some people who are out there who's like these companies can't do anything good. But we should make sure that when we think about the net, we try to decrease as much negative as possible and unlock as much good. Cicilline's strategy, he told Axios this a few months ago, is to introduce so many bills that big tech can't fight it. I wouldn't bet on that. They've got a lot of lawyers. Uh, and a lot of lobbyists. Yeah. Um, he said if it were one bill, it would be easy for them to band together uh, and fight it. Which bill is Cicilline's, uh, uh, Alex? That's the first one, the one that prohibits uh, self-dealing. Self-dealing. You know, when most people talk about their objections to big tech, what they're really talking about is an objection to vertical integration, massive vertical integration and the commoditization of data, of consumer data. We, we talked about that before. Before big tech was the enemy, it was data privacy. The issue hasn't really changed. We've just changed the wrapper. It's still about what those companies are doing with the data that they're receiving, especially since they, they tend to own everything from shelf to consumer. Um, that's uh, – I mean Alex has alluded to this. That's really tricky to regulate because how do you get rid of those ill effects – Without getting rid of the it's, things that we it's actually brain enjoy. surgery, and I'm afraid you're going to the you patient's not going to survive. Yeah. So Cicilline's is a really good example because that's very much what the EU went against. Uh, they were fighting Google Shopping, remember, right. uh, over the fact that they would self deal that they would promote, and it was very. It's actually very hard to demonstrate that uh, Google's doing that. I've always, if you do a search, YouTube's right at the top there of those Google searches, and not Google's for me. not for you, no, because I use Bing. <laughs> I spread, I spread my online on fingerprint out as much as I can. So you're saying if you search for something on Bing, you don't see any YouTube videos? No. That's really interesting. Well, not to like the second page. 
That's really interesting. Google says, well, we're, look, all search is supposed to do is give people the results they expect they want. And it just turns out if the best result is a YouTube result, we're going to show that. Right. It's kind of hard to demonstrate that they're doing that uh, in their own interest as opposed to in the interests of the users. I'd hate to see. I don't want to have to use Bing. I like Bing. Really? Yeah, they got pretty pictures. <laughs> no, no, for me, for me, they, it actually does return. I do use I like Google the Bing desktop. I do use the Bing desktop because I like the pretty pictures, but I would never use Bing for For search. what I search for, it tends to give me higher quality returns. You're in the minority. I am I am very much in the yeah, minority. Yeah. In fact, where you live. I've got two. Oh, you use oh, Bing too? Oh, and uses Bing. Oh, all right. It's going to be a Bing shop. Wow. I think we get I'm, a sticker I'm a for Google that. all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Google gives I you the best Google's results. That's why when Google good. That's why when Google emerged uh, 15 years ago, they just clobbered everybody they else because people said, "Well, that's exactly the results I wanted." I'm Alta Vista all the way, man. <laughs> Hardcore. Uh, <laughs> it's a nice okay. bumper sticker. Uh, okay. Um, all right. Well, we'll just. I guess we'll watch these as they make their way through uh, through Congress. It does seem to me that the climate has very much changed and there is this this urge to regulate. And I have to say it chills me a little bit because uh, I do enjoy the benefits. Uh, like you, Nicholas, I'm a fan. Yeah, I understand we want privacy, et cetera. My fear always has been with, with the, uh, the, the really hardcore privacy advocates is that they're not going to merely in, ensure privacy for themselves. They're going to ensure that I, who don't care, am not going to be able to buy these things that they don't want. In other words, they're going to end up uh, blocking, ruining it for us all. So I yeah. think you should have the right to have, be private. I think you should have the right to. But but I, I fear that the end result will be we'll lose a lot of things that, that are really interesting and valuable out of technology, including yeah, things I like Amazon Echo. To me, the, the, the shift, the shift is incredible. Like it was, I remember when the iPhone was announced in 2007, like who cared about technology back? Like nerds did yeah. uh, go even further back. Like uh, I, I was reminiscing earlier today, I went to uh, a JNR, which was a big uh, JNR. Yeah. In New York city. Uh, yeah. I was there for the first HD broadcast. I believe it was 1998. It was like a New York jets game. Sold Nobody cared about yeah. tech then. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it was really the 2016 election. Uh, and obviously that uh, that happened. Uh, and uh, it, but to me, as someone who's been uh, you know monitoring this industry as, as a fan, you know, since a kid and professionally for 15 years, the complete shift from like who cares about you know tech to public enemy number one is is just incredible to me. Really. By the, by the way, J and R is gone. They are. They are. Now it's B and H. It's all about B and H. Yeah, but that was a great Phoenix. story. Yeah, yeah, I love JNR. Bought a lot of stuff from JNR over the years. There still is a division because yes, the younger generations are now all about the tech, but I wouldn't classify most of them as geeks. They can use the tech. They don't understand how the tech works. They don't understand how to build the tech. They don't understand what goes into the tech. Well, neither does Congress. So they're neither a good company. <laughs> but but we need. Uh, that's actually that's a good point. We want real geeks. People who actually know what what goes into the tech, what what has to happen for a result to be returned on your phone? I see, I feel like I'm we're looking at people and they're frothing at the mouth. Yeah. They're angry for various reasons, but I don't think that that leads to a reasoned outcome. No, and I admit there's room for a reasoned outcome. We definitely want more privacy. Data portability is a great idea, uh, and and really when we need I, it, these companies have gotten 
very powerful. But I think to some degree, it's also just because they're very successful and they're too rich. You know, Jeff Bezos is too rich. We don't like that. And uh, and then some of it's political. You know, they, they have an mm. uh, unproven conservative bias uh, and, and that kind of thing. And I, I think it's so much frothing at the mouth that it's not going to lead to something. Uh, it's not going to be a scalpel. It's going to be a bludgeon. And I don't think that that's a good thing in the long run. And I think all you have to do is, again, look at the pandemic. Without yeah. technology, we'd be, we'd be in the Middle Ages. And then, I remember yeah. I was at TechCrunch uh, from 2007 until 2011. And I remember I wrote about privacy a lot. I, I, was, I was early. I, I read Slash. My idea of like a fun weekend was like reading Slashdot in high school. So that's like Me too, baby. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. like where I'm coming from. Right so on. I was very much like writing about privacy like all the time. T- nobody was reading these articles. That was not a thing that like the not even the TechCrunch audience cared about. Uh, and, but now, you know. It is it is very very salient and very important. Obviously, you know it's it's. I think people get it now more. Uh, but yeah, it, it is it is when when you know Ted Cruz is like you know like a like a tea kettle like freaking out. I'm like, uh oh, this is. I'm well, glad I like review laptops. This, this and, and Rupert <laughs> Murdoch. I mean, this guy has yeah. been uh, the bane of technology. Yeah. Look what he did in Australia. Oh, uh, he is he's not acting in anybody's interest but his own. This is all about his business interests. The journal, the Wall Street Journal, hates Google. But he doesn't pretend to act in anyone's interest but his own. Well, I know. We all know what his motivations there's, are. There's a mythos but, of, of But when he comes tech. marching in with his money and his, and, his, yeah. and his lobbyists and says, yeah, Congress, we ought to pass that, that should scare people. That's not a good thing. That's not, that doesn't, it's not going to lead to reasoned legislation. Uh- the cool thing about democracy, though, is that we have the bills that have been introduced, and now we get to have a discussion about them. I agree. And then everything is going to come out. This isn't going to be a five-week or a six-week process. It's going to be a months-long, probably years-long process until we get somewhere, well, if let, we ever get somewhere. Let me, let me ask and you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll just say one last question. thing. Yeah. I want to tell a quick story. So um, back in the day, uh, a long time ago, I was an intern for a member of Congress who's since went to jail, Anthony Weiner. Uh, but I uh, did get a chance to go down to D.C. for uh, a week to see what it was like in the office. And they had members of Congress address uh, the interns and just give like their perspective of what was going on in, in, the, in, um, in politics at the time. And I happened to be there for the week where Mitch McConnell spoke. And McConnell, I think he was citing a previous politician, but talked about how, um, you know, tea kettle was like a good lead into this. The House is like a boiling hot cup of tea. Oh, yeah. And the Senate, the Senate is the saucer that the cools under, the cup. Right? Yeah. So what we just saw, yeah, is exactly. We saw all that, yeah. um, you know, frothy tea come out of the House. Now yeah. we go to the process where the liquid spills out of the cup, it goes into the saucer, and then we see what we end up with. So I don't think this is going to be, you know, I don't think we're going to end up seeing that the bills that were introduced, no, to, introduced uh, uh, passed into law with the language uh, that they – we're written in because at the end of the day, I think you guys are spot on. We're talking about a very productive industry. We're talking about five companies that are the engine in some ways of the American economy. And I don't think ever before in history have you had a government come out, come after a productive industry like this with a set of laws uh, that, that have been introduced that would rein them in you know, so dramatically. So I do think eventually we're going to end up getting to a place where these laws make sense. I think that's the history of antitrust laws is uh, Congress coming off uh, against big oil and then big steel uh, and breaking up the trusts. That's what antitrust meant. And uh, so I guess to some degree, this is a um, analogous to breaking up big oil. 
But um, well, they broke up Ma Bell. They they yeah. won a case against Microsoft, but those kind of went to the wayside. I, I, the Microsoft stuff left some damage. Yeah, yeah. I, it just makes it makes me very nervous, mostly because I don't think it's being lobbied. The people who are in favor of this, in many cases, are in favor for the wrong reasons. It's not really what they're talking about. And then, and then, and that this was the question I was going to ask you, Alex, because you have a newsletter. Um, companies like Apple jumping on this privacy bandwagon. In fact, Google's jumping on it too, to some degree, which is kind of interesting, uh, because it's good for business, not because they really care about people's privacy. And uh, you know, I think what Google and Apple and I, you watch this because Facebook's going to eventually come along and realize it's good publicity to say you're pro privacy. Uh, all three companies have first party data that is second to none, so they're not sacrificing anything from their own point of view. But Apple, for instance, has introduced now uh, in Apple Mail uh, the ability to uh, turn off uh, uh, hidden pixels for trackers, which mm-hmm. is going to af- affect you, I think, in your newsletter. Um, they also, uh, you know, and I, I feel like turning off the uh, ID for advertisers, they didn't, they didn't turn it off, but, but surfacing that, yeah, it's, I think it's pandering a little bit to people saying, Knowing that people are kind of without thinking going to say, well, I don't want any advertising tracking me without really thinking about the consequences of this. It's pandering to people who say, I want everything for free and I'm not a willing in any way to support an ecosystem that pays for it is not really good business in the long run. It's good for Apple, but it's not good business in the long run. So I, I bothers me a lot that companies like Apple are making hay on this because it's good for their business. It's With- window dressing. I think it's window dressing. I really do. Yeah. Alex, you've said that you're not too worried. I know uh, Casey Newton quoted you in his platformer newsletter. You're not too worried about what losing those tracking pixels is going to do to your newsletter. Correct. And by the way, I just want to lead in by saying I agree with you 100%. Like you notice when Apple started to use privacy as like a core part of its marketing, it's when people started to buy iPhones less often because it used to be that you want to upgrade every year or two or um, you know, the iPhone was so much better than any Android. So you would stick with what you'd stick with the iPhone. Then when that started to dissipate a little bit and they started to, fe- you know, face some real competition and they had, um, you know, they, they had a slower upgrade cycle. Now, all of a sudden they're using privacy as a marketing tool to try to make sure that you stay within their ecosystem. You don't switch and you buy new phones. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. Uh, although it's up to it's their prerogative, I I, I think. But it's good business, but it might be a little cynical, there. you know. They should I, just tell us. Yeah, it's one hundred percent cynical. They it, should tell us what they're up to. It's also now, it's hilarious if you look at the history of it because yeah. remember, Apple wanted a piece of that data collection right. pie. Ads. They wanted to yeah. be the cloud service. They didn't get it. it they they never created a of solution course. that attracted people. And so when they realized they couldn't get it, they said, "Well, we could hurt everyone who is gathering data." Right, and, yeah, and they make horrible. how many billions a year from Google on the uh, default search? Maybe six, eight billion. Right. I don't know exactly the number, right. but uh, clearly they don't have uh, you know that much reservations against Google. Otherwise, right. uh, they wouldn't make this deal. So, but in terms of my newsletter and the pixel blocking, I'm totally okay with it. Uh, first of all, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure how many people actually are opening uh, the newsletter on Apple Mail. I mean, I don't have that data, but generally, like I don't know. I I have an iPhone, but I use Gmail app on my phone. So market um, share, uh, Casey quotes this, uh, Mm -hmm. the most recent market share numbers from litmus for May, 2021, 93.5% of all email opens on, opens on phone come in Apple mail on iPhones or iPads. 
uh, on desktop, how, how Apple Mail is fit. Yeah, with with an Android. I mean, Android is more has seventy five percent of the market. How can ninety? Yeah, but Andro- apparently, Android, Android users don't read on either. Don't read uh, newsletters on their I, phone. I, just oh, them. I don't believe that. I don't. I don't believe that. Ninety three and a half percent on uh, Apple Mail on iPhones or iPads on the desktop. Apple has fifty eight point four percent. So it's a big majority. It's a large number. So regardless of how much it makes up, I, I happen to think that those numbers are off by a large margin. But that's another story. Uh, ultimately, they, can, they need have, better tracking if they're going to really get those numbers. <laughs> yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> it's funny. No tracking on Apple, but it just so happens to be that all the tracking says Apple is right. the leader. Yeah. Anyway, that's a story for another yeah. time. But I, I will say that like, if you are a newsletter that sends on volume, you don't really know your, your readers, uh, they won't answer a user survey, then you're in trouble. If you're a newsletter that that is focused on building a relationship with an audience, they'll answer user uh, surveys like I know your audience does Leo that's what we do my, we get, my audience we, podcasts yeah. don't have the luxury of pixel tracking oh, yeah, can't exactly. do that. <laughs> yeah and, and I don't you know I use Substack Substack is again it's a subscription platform I happen to have a free newsletter that I monetize with ads um, so it so Substack won't deliver but me don't your advertisers want to know how many people saw their ads I mean isn't that how you bill or no well, look, we do we do show them what the opens uh, are. Yeah, so you're going to lose that. You're not going to know. Actually, so I have I have a few things to say about that. So first of all, I think the list size mentioned matters a lot more. Uh, the number the, of subscribers, the total yeah. number of yeah. opens. I mean, if you you're not going to be like you know you don't say I'm looking for a, a newsletter that has you know six thousand opens. Maybe that should be the way. But Your you advertisers like, okay, like you, opens. Alex. That's the difference. And they say, oh, yeah. well, he's got a, he's got ten thousand subscribers. They know it's a good placement. But I tell you and what, our advertisers yeah. say to me all the time is, well, how do you know they listened? Because we know how many people yeah. download, but how do you know they listened? They, right. So they want to know th- that. Yeah. So here's the other thing I, I think is interesting. So oftentimes we'll have the majority of the views of the newsletter come via web because the people who subscribe to the newsletters, they're the evangelists of the newsletter. They're the people right. who are in this tight knit community that we have called big technology. Right. And so they'll open every week. And then what happens is they'll share it. And it will end up on, you know, news aggregator websites like Hacker News or TechMeme or wherever it may be. And so oftentimes we'll have a view count that doubles or higher. Yeah. does more yeah. than the actual number of subscribers because we have that dedicated of a subscriber list. But notice so, you count the number of people that open the Web page. You want well, the that information. Page, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I don't think that it's going to be what I'm trying to say is. I don't think it's going to be the end of metrics. I don't think that there are people that are coming to the newsletter because, you know, they want to hit, um, you know, a large untargeted group of people. They know they're going to end up hitting, you know, uh, a premium audience with big technology. They know they're going to end up hitting a good number of people. And that's what does it for them. Yeah, I mean, that's probably uh, why our advertisers stay with us. But when we bill them, we bill them on the number of impressions. I mean, that's how much that's what the cost of an ad on on most media is based on the number of people who see it. And it's, there's it's also rare that you'll yeah. have an advertiser that says, "I don't care how many people see the ad; I just want to support you." Right. There's also <laughs> there's nice. um, <laughs> there are proxies that you can use also in terms of the way that people engage with the ad. Now we're not we don't go out pitching big technology as a performance newsletter. Like we don't do any CTA deals, uh, but we definitely include like some sort of uh, URL 
where we can see how yeah, many we do that are engaging too, with, with yeah, the advertising. That's direct response. So, yeah. Look, but, is it going to, is it going to hurt me more or is it going to hurt, hurt like a junk email that goes to, you know, I don't know, a couple million people whose, whose emails they bought from some list. Um, I think those are the people that might get slammed by this. Yeah, but and if you're collateral drive, damage, I'm not going to be happy about it. Well, I, I think it will likely drive advertisers to say, what were we doing in the first place? And what are the environments where we can get next to good context as opposed to volume? And that's where I think we'll, we'll end up. But yeah, I, I, think- I, I saw the update and I didn't... Um, I didn't try to, you know, sell the business immediately. I think, I think <laughs> no, and I think you're right not to. But I think advertisers are crack addicts, and the crack they're addicted to is met as they love metrics, audience information. Metrics okay, and, and maybe this pushes. You know, this is sort of what I said in Casey's newsletter. I do agree that there's been an unfortunate addiction to performance metrics in the advertising industry, and it's impossible. It, it's it's important to report some uh, of you know how how you perform, but. Ultimately, advertising is best when it's done in, in context with a good message next to a good brand. Yeah, I agree. That's the stuff that actually works. And so maybe this does drive them toward doing more of that, in which case, Leo, I think your business is in even better shape, and I hope mine is too. We're, we're moving more toward the consumer reports model than we are to, towards the advertising-based model because mm-hmm. that's why we started Club Twit. I wish, you know, when we first started Twit, I was consumer reports was my model. They don't take advertising and they buy all the products they review. And I would have loved to have done that. It just didn't turn out. You to bought be. most of the products. I try to buy everything, yeah. but you know, <laughs> other, other hosts need to get loaners. Uh, and frankly, uh, we tried to do it without advertising and there wasn't enough support. I'm hoping club twit, uh, which is, you know, our way of trying to monetize and offer people ad free content, which incidentally as a, as a result is tracker free. Uh, succeeds I, I but i think honestly people don't want ads and they don't want to pay for it they basically want everything for free and uh and this is in a way pandering to an audience that says look i want 100 percent people like you robert i want 100 percent privacy i'm going to fuzz everything nobody's going to know everything anything about me and i want it all for free except see i am also a, a conscious consumer of content. You probably spend money on stuff you care about. Stuff I care about. Also, if it's a network that I frequent, I will turn off all my fuzzing and all oh, my, for you. my blockers because yeah. I actually want to Do you support you think that's them. universal? I don't think so. No. no I wish it was. It, it should be that. It should be, look, if it's a drive-by, you saw them once, that's fine. If you keep coming back to the same source, I feel like, well, I want to participate. Right. I want you to keep going. I want you to give me this content. So why wouldn't I throw a little bit of my personal information out there to keep them going. I, 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 I'm totally sympathetic to people who, who want their privacy, want their data kept to themselves. I completely understand that motivation. Um, I just worry that in that world, all it's going to do is make Rupert Murdoch richer. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's yeah. not going to support uh, people like Alex uh, who, who want to, you know, go their own way and do their own thing and, and give great reporting. You know, I, I spend $400 a year on the information, but there's only a handful of things I'm going to spend that kind of money for, which means the big guys are going to get richer. And, yeah. and the, you know, I also spend money on the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. Those guys are going to make more money and they're going to be fewer and fewer of the little guys because there's no way to monetize you. It's, this is what happened with blogging. It's what's happening with podcasting. There's, there's either the institutional podcasters or there's the hobbyists, 
and there's no in-between. There's no middle class. And I worry that we're eliminating the middle class in all of this stuff. That either the, it's going to be big publications that can monetize or people who don't care, they're just doing it for fun. And there's nothing in between. And that's what happened with blogs. It's, it's the verge or some guy on the corner going, let me tell you about my, uh, my Emacs setup. There's nothing in well, between. Yes, but smart marketers will always find a way to leverage these asymmetries and end up putting themselves in positions, you know, that the rest of the market might have given up on. Uh, and I, I, I used to work in advertising for a little bit, and, and I can tell you that advertisers, you know, they're smart. They know how to how to get the job done. You worked and at so Ad Age, right? I worked at Ad Age, and then my first job was as a uh, in-house ad buyer for New York City's so Economic Development Corporation. Interesting. So you've been on both sides of this equation. Yeah, I made actually the reverse trip. Usually people start as reporters yeah. go into marketing. I did marketing and sales. I sold ad tech for a year and then went into reporting. How long ago was that? 2010. Yeah. So 10 years ago, things were a little different. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's really gone crazy now. And how, even, how is it going crazy? Uh, ad tech? Yeah. Well, that tech I've definitely reported on. You should share in your own words. I think it would be good, be good to hear you. Uh, well, I think it's... Uh, first of all, there is a debate whether advertisers benefit from all that ad tech, whether it actually helps them reach the audience they want, whether it makes the ads more successful. And I've seen a lot of evidence that it doesn't. Uh, but this doesn't what matter. what I've been trying to say. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree. With, I think you're right. But the question yeah. isn't whether we're right. The question is whether advertisers right. buy it. And they, I don't think they mm. do. Uh, and I think that uh, what's going to happen in my business is that Spotify is going to completely dominate. And because they have first party info. And uh, if, if, if with, a, you know, that's why they can give Joe Rogan $100 million is because mm. Joe Rogan will be exclusive on Spotify, which means you'll have to listen on the app, and they will be able to tell advertisers not just when you listen and how much you listen, but who you are and what your credit card number is and where you live and all that stuff. So first-party first information, the kind of information Facebook and Google and Apple and Spotify have, is, is now going to be completely dominant in the industry. And uh, I think that that's very bad... For, at least in journalism, it's very bad because you're not going to get diverse the diversity of voices that you used to have. So I I think ad tech is uh, the baleful influence. It, it it ruined blogging. It's about to ruin podcasting. Um, that's just my opinion, but uh, it's, I I feel like that's a bad trend. And I understand where it's coming from is people's desire not to be tracked. And, I, you know, I use I use all the ad blocking, ad tracking technologies, too. Um, so I'm just as guilty as anybody. The Brave browser, everything's blocked out. Yeah. You know, yeah. Firefox blocks everything. I've got a pie hole serving my DNS, yeah. so it actually blocks out yeah. entire domains yeah. that serve out ads. I mean, we're as good and as bad, I mean, as bad about this as anybody. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So I don't know what. As broadcasters, you think we wouldn't do that, but, but most of the time Lisa I won't. do want to block that out. So I use NextDNS, which is basically a, a pie hole service, yeah. and I have it on my on my uh, home router. But I have to uh, uh, whitelist Lisa out of it, or because <laughs> she says no. What, I don't see any ads. What's what's going on? So no, no, no I'm sorry. You, you, but I, she wants to see ads. Yes, because she says, and you should too. We're in the ad business, Leo. I mean, yes, but that's a good point. Uh, but I don't want to. <laughs> well, that's and that's in a nutshell the problem here, right? The whole problem. I don't. You know what? I think Alex, you're an optimist. 
you clearly feel like we'll work this out. And I think that's that's the right attitude because we don't have any choice. Um, yeah. This is Cory Doctorow said this is the largest consumer boycott of all time. The consumer boycotts against online advertising, and it's working. And the companies are getting the message. And uh, I think it's it's done. It's just done. And so whatever's going to happen, we'll have to we'll have to work a way around it. I still can't get out of my mind the image of someone complaining that they can't see ads. I'll sort of make that. It's like I I don't block every website I use. I use a uBlock Origin every now and then, but I generally kind of let you know because I, I work in the industry. Even if CR is not ad supported, many of my colleagues work at ad supported websites, so I generally try to leave ads. Uh, ad blocking off. But like the ads I get on YouTube, I watch an incredible amount of YouTube. Uh, and the ads that I get are are just uh, irrelevant nonsense, I'll, I'll say politely. Uh, like my my views are like very narrow. Like I like video game stuff. I like soccer. I like home theater equipment, uh, really nerdy topics. Can you and uh, like, give me your uh, zip code? And, yeah. Uh... <laughs> but like if I have to see like another commercial for like Corona, like beer or like I, I margaritas. Drink that like, stuff. It's terrible. I'm never, you could pay me and I would I would but not buy honestly, that. Prod- like, that's insane. why I pay for YouTube premium. Because I don't, YouTube has got so. I think honestly, what Google's doing with YouTube is giving is intentionally inflicting intense pain on you to get you to pay for YouTube. It feels just, it is very painful. Brave. It's it's brave. awful. There are no ads if you use Brave. Well, I, I, it's, not to keep talking about the newsletter thing, but I'll say, can't block ads in a newsletter. Yes, uh, all of our ads are relevant, targeted to the right people, and we don't use any tracking. So, Leo, wait a minute. You you had some technology that doesn't allow people to block ads, right? We call it twit. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You don't ever know we're in an ad. I could be, uh, we could just be going along and all of a sudden I say, you know, I love worldwide technology and NetApp. And then all of a sudden, we're we're, you just yeah. think it's part of the show. <laughs> worldwide technology is a great company. It's a company you want to know about. We went, it was the last trip we took before COVID. March of last year, we went out to St. Louis to see the Advanced Technology Center. You should go. You would love this thing, Robert. It started with one building 10 years ago. It is now, I think, the largest lab in the world. Half a billion dollars uh, worth of equipment from all of the OEMs. So it's rack after rack. It's now, I think, at four or five buildings. And rack after rack of everything. Everything in there. And the whole idea is that uh, WWT's engineers can learn about this stuff. They can build proofs of concept. Uh, they can uh, test and what's really neat, and this is why I love WWT, you know, normally a company say, we're going to keep this to ourselves. It's our secret sauce. They've opened it up so that you can use these labs too. Their advanced technology center offers hundreds of on-demand and schedulable labs like NetApp's cloud manager, along with other labs representing the newest advances in multi-cloud architecture and security and networking primary and secondary storage, data analytics and AI, DevOps, everything that you want to know about an enterprise. And you can use it yourself. It's, it's a lab as a service. So uh, go to W... All you, it's free. All you need to do is be a member, www.t.com slash twit. Test out products and solutions. Just do what the WWT engineers do, in effect. Test out products and solutions before you go to market. It's not just hands-on labs. There's white papers there. There's demonstration videos. There's technical articles. There's expert insights. All the tools. If you want to stay up with the latest enterprise technology, this is like, this is like a graduate school in that. And you can, you can 
of course, if you get a chance to go to St. Louis, see the physical lab space, but it's completely online. And you can access these resources. You don't have to go to St. Louis anywhere in the world, any time of the day or night. And while you're there, by the way, make sure to check out WWT's events in the communities because there's even more going on where you can discuss technology trends, hear the latest research, get insights from experts, meet your colleagues. It's just fantastic. Whatever your business needs, worldwide technology can deliver scalable tried and tested tailor solutions you know one of the things we saw we were in there in st louis i'm looking they have they have a a meeting room with like all these big screens and it's cameras all over the place and i'm looking at what looks like kind of a factory floor and there's a guy building a crate i said what's he doing (laughs) and they said every one of our uh fulfillment centers has a full-time on on site carpenter because unlike other enterprise technology companies, they don't just send you all the parts and say, yeah, you put it together. They literally set it up, integrate it, test it, get it running. Then they unplug it, build a custom case <laughs> so it fits exactly what you bought and ship it to you so it's ready to go. I mean, that's the kind of attention to detail that makes WWT really amazing. They bring strategy and execution together to make this new world of technology happen. To learn more about WWT, the Advanced Technology Center, to get access to all these great free resources. It's simple. Just create an account. Go to WWT.com slash twit. Create a free account on their ATC platform. WWT.com slash twit. And by the way, I have to say, if you're in St. Louis, I think you probably already know WWT. I'd never heard of them. Once, once I got there, I re- they are beloved. You go anywhere, you say, we're, 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 we're here visiting WWT. They go, oh. He brought, uh, the, the founder of WWT brought in a, uh, uh, speaking of soccer, Nicholas, brought in a, um, a St. Louis, what is the St. Louis soccer team? He, he brought them into town. The Arches? <laughs> yeah, that, I lived in St. Louis for, for a year, so I feel bad <laughs> yeah. that I don't know that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name, but he... Uh, he brought them in. He, they actually built a a, a a worldwide technology soccer park. They have a club there. I mean, it's it's really cool. They're it's a really neat uh, company. They really care a lot about um, about their community. Uh, where were we? Oh, advertising. Doesn't it suck? No, sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Well, Honest. We're in the ad business. I'm kidding. We're in the ad business. I'm kidding. I love it. Actually, Alex, you did something kind of amazing. I saw this on Business Insider. I thought, you, oh, are they not going to let me look at it? Oh, son of a gun. <laughs> Here's a subscription I haven't paid for. <laughs> but you, they- oh, uh, if you use, uh, there's, there's a way around that. I actually emailed Henry Blodgett about this and they didn't fix it. Uh, if you use, you know, Instapaper, the read it later. Oh, read you can do later read it service, later. Yeah. You could Instapaper it and, and the entire, or you could just right click and oftentimes the HTML. But I literally emailed Henry Blodgett and they, and he said, oh, we'll get right on it. And, and they never fix fixed it. it. No, a lot of, a lot of news uh, paper paywalls are not, uh, not great. Not uh, such great I, paywalls. I'm going to Instapaper I, I it and read it. purpose. But Alex shared his uh, pitch deck, which is really cool uh, for the podcast and the newsletter. So uh, I'm going to steal all your ideas, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> Windows 11 comes out on Thursday. It goes to <sighs> 11. Uh, we, we know it's going to be called Windows 11. There was some speculation uh, earlier, but a leaked version came out. Now the question is, did Microsoft leak it on purpose? There's people who think Microsoft leaked it to lower expectations. <laughs> 
You said you were using they it. They did. I, let me just confirm that they did. You sure I, of it? I, I'm absolutely sure of it. When I when, look, when I don't have to go through a back channel to get it, that, it was pretty easy. You can't get it now, can you? No. No, no, no. They, they they plugged the hole. They plugged the hole. But uh, look, here's the thing. I don't know why they'd want to lower expectations. It, yes, it's not a brand new operating system, but it's pretty. It, it, it feels a little bit faster in some instances. I like the customizability. I like the fact that the widget system feels less forced than it did back in the Vista days. So it's good. It's it's not a revolutionary new operating system. People aren't going to be buying new computers just so they can they can run Windows 11. But it's not bad by any measure. Here's the very first thing. So, Panos Panay, 11 a.m. Eastern on Thursday. We're going to stream it. Paul and Mary Jo will join me. We'll do a live stream. And uh, then we'll do Windows Weekly instead of Wednesday. We'll do it afterwards because they said, we can't do Windows Weekly before the new version of Windows comes out. It'll be out of date. Are we, is Alex muted? Are you muted? I was, oh, but okay, I'm good. unmuted. Oh, good. Sorry about that. I can talk. I apologize. Yeah. Um, no, it was I did it on my own. Oh, self muted. Okay. It's a it's a self improvement practice. I'm working on. <laughs> Never will I do that. Never. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Uh. <laughs> so the thing I know people are going to be howling about, and it's the silliest thing ever. They put the start menu in the middle, and that, I know that's, that's going to get yeah. more attention than anything else Microsoft talks about. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you could, by the way, there's a switch. You can move and, it to the and, left. And you know what? That took me all of 30 seconds I to know. fix. It looks like a map. Yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't hard to go back to the original. And, and then I actually put it back in the middle because I wanted to see, well, will, will this mess up my experience? And it really doesn't. It took me like 10 minutes of training to go, oh, yeah, it's in the middle. The logic makes sense. You don't have to move the mouse quite right. so far. Right. Although, who does any? Okay, show of hands. How many people use the mouse to, to, and click the start menu to run a program? I hit the Windows key. Yeah, Windows key, first three yeah. letters, you're done. I bet yeah. our audience does, if I had to guess, the consumer. And I, and I mean that with all due respect. No, the, a lot of our audience yeah. is, are, are older folks who maybe, you know, yeah. Windows 95, XP, yeah. like they're trained. Uh, I remember when Windows 8 came out and it was the tiles and everyone was like, this is this is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I think some folks like the start menu the way it works. And so we'll see. I'm kind of looking forward to Windows 11. Uh, in, in a manner of speaking, because it's like when they when I saw the leaks and the start menu was in the middle, I was like, I hope there's a way to disable that because I dislike that uh, a great deal. It's very uh, so Mac-ish because that's where the yeah. Mac I, Mac yep. dock is right in the middle, right? Yeah. Although the Macs don't have a start menu, so Nicholas actually just brought up a good point. I know who will like this. Um, my parents. Will because, like it or not like no, it? No, they will like it because they use the touch screen and they love touching oh. things and having it blow up on the screen and then pushing the icon that they want. <laughs> so, okay, there's, there's an audience here. Okay. Sure. Nobody who listens to this show is that person, <laughs> obviously. So can, We've got a Can few. we talk? No, We've no. got some octogenarians there's somebody in the chat, in the chat room who says I use a mouse. Okay, that's your choice. But can we talk? I mean, it's keyboard. <laughs> I had I had a, a woman call me yesterday. I felt so bad for her. In fact, I I didn't really answer her question because AT and T has started requiring. This is the kind of thing you're going to hear about, Nicholas, like crazy. Has started requiring that you use an app specific password to use AT and T mail. 
So she says, I kept getting this pop-up saying your mail settings need to be adjusted. And I kept saying, fix it. And it never fixed it. And so eventually I just said, forget it. And now my mail doesn't work. And I said, well, do you use a browser for your mail? She says, I don't know. There's an icon on the thing. And I clicked that. And I said, okay, you're using an app, I think. Who knows what she's got. I said, did somebody set this up for you? She said, yes. I said, well, here's what AT&T wants you to do. You have to set up an application-specific password at AT&T's website to continue to use oh, your ISP's email. No, come on. I'm talking to this woman. She doesn't know if she's using a browser or a mail client, and I have to explain yeah. how to set up an app-specific password. I don't even know if I can get her into the settings. So this is, no, this is, this is why I wonder, why, why do these people use computers? Your life must be so hard. I just feel so sorry for these people. That's why some people still use their AOL addresses. Oh, I get that person yeah. all the time. Um, <sighs> well, I mean, I it, just it feel so sorry secure. for them. Yeah. yeah. What no, do you? I mean, again, that's the, the, that's my audience, and those are the people I write for. Right. Uh, you know, I love talking, them. They're and, real and people. These, these are real people who don't who don't care about uh, oh the shiny windows no 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 they they're they're trying to find pictures of their grandkids yes. they're trying to pay their bills they're trying to live their lives they're not trying to like admire the the translucent windows <laughs> on windows 11 or whatever or the arrow effects or whatever they used to call they like that there's fundamentally like not they don't care it's now fluid it's called fluid design great Perfect. That's a great name. Uh, but like to, for most people, it's like, what is that even like they're like an application specific password. Like I cannot imagine trying oh to on, on, the, on the radio. That seems like on the I radio. Even, I gave that up. That seems very difficult. But that's, up. you know, when Windows 11, you know, when the leaks were happening and, and the big leak was last week, which I haven't tried yet to be to be fair. No, I haven't. Uh, I will when no. they officially release I it. I let put Robert and Paul do It'll that. be great. Yeah. But like uh, the, the changes were first off, these just seems like cosmetic changes. Like, oh, we'll move the thing it's to the Totally cosmetic. Within within three days. Within three days. Paul Ferrat. What do they even need a press conference for that? Maybe it'll be a pre-tape thing. Oh, I was wondering this too. Because I, like probably everybody who's listening, said, oh, I know. Finally, Microsoft's going to start over, redesign Windows, make it robust, reliable, secure. MIT uh, technology. No, actually, it was was, uh, Steve Gibson, our security guy said there's one reason for the ransomware crisis, one reason alone, Windows. It's so freaking insecure. Now, I'm not sure, I think there's other reasons, but uh, I understand his point. I thought, here's an opportunity. That's the only reason you should update Windows 10 is because you're going to start over. They're not starting over. They're not no. changing anything except how it looks. And so I'm asking Paul and Mary Jo, our Windows hosts, why then do this? And they came up with the only cogent reason I could think of. Last year, the PC industry had a banner year because everybody mm-hmm. had to go out and buy a computer for the kid who's got to do Zoom classes. And yeah. and now I'm working at home, so I need a better computer. So the computer sales were the best they'd been in a decade. This year, of course, it's going to tank, right? Because everybody bought a computer. It's going to die. The PC industry is going to be dead. Also because no one can get components. Yeah, can't exactly. You can't even get one yeah. if you wanted yeah. one. So what Microsoft, Paul and Mary Joes think that the reason Microsoft's doing Windows 11 is because historically that's what sells computers. In the Windows world, people yeah, don't buy the next version of Windows. They buy a new computer 
to run the next version of Windows. And they continue to use that version of Windows until they buy another computer. So Microsoft's basically artificially supporting the PC industry because there's no way anybody's going to buy a new computer unless there's some reason to. And this reason is going to be Windows 11. It's Windows Spinal Tap. It's the same thing, but it goes to 11. Yeah. That sounds like a like if they were to say that out loud, like I would be. I I imagine a lot of folks in my position would be like, "Yeah, that's fine. That seems yeah. fair. We want to keep yeah. keep things going. Don't necessarily tell me that it's because of these great innovations that because we've the default is a light is is light mode and we moved it to the center. It's like I don't know. That feels uh, it's like changing a window manager in Linux. Like I don't know. This this feels whatever, but. Well, you know, it I feel mean, substantial, it, especially when Microsoft said when Windows 10 was announced, I was like, oh, Windows 10, Windows is a service now. There'll right. be incremental upgrades. You know, this is the last version of Windows. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll just forget that that you, was said, which you, is, again, fine. I don't, you know, because it's Panos Panay. He's going to come out on the stage and say, we have created a new way for you to think, to create, to live. We have taken... Wow, wow. You know he's going to have some florid description of this that's going to be, oh, my God, yep. this is changing the world. And all it is is oh, you got rounded corners. <laughs> we found that the only thing missing from Windows was <laughs> rounded, rounded corners. corners. Which which is fine. Like, and that's that's great. Like, I, I, that, that doesn't bother me. But if he's going to explain it in, in like this florid language like it like it is – well, Sermon that's what he does. Like, I don't know. That's his thing. This could spark an entirely new industry. Everyone's going to want to upgrade their monitors for rounded corners. Anthony, are you? Uh, are you? Do you have my audio? Let me see if you do here, because I want to play. Oh no! The most. Im- <laughs> what are you laughing at? What well, is the most no, important not. <laughs> change from Tom Warren? The new. Let me. See, Windows 10 startup sound. I hope it comes out of the right hole. Oh my God! I got to have it. You know, the first time I booted up, I didn't even notice. I did not notice that until I read the Verge article. I said, oh, yeah, it is different. <laughs> so you've heard I'm it. Gonna, I have heard it. That's it. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but that's why people like Apple. I mean, yeah, like, you know, for yeah, all the okay. bad things that we – I'm pretty you know, critical of that company, but this, these shenanigans just don't happen in the Apple ecosystem. The wallpaper is very pretty. Apple always does new wallpaper. The new Windows 11 yes, wallpaper no, is gorgeous. Is nice. It is nice. No, the color scheme is very nice. I mean, it, it's, it is a lot of eye candy. Um, I would like to dive down below to see a, anything that they changed. As far as yeah. I can tell. And I don't think they have. They haven't. It, no. they, they don't want to. No. This is the problem that Microsoft has is they can't break all the existing software. So they can't change anything. When they change the device uh, model in what was that Windows? I want to say Windows Seven. Uh, all hell broke loose for years. Hardware didn't work when the, the the device driver model was changed. You can't you can't screw with that. So make a new startup sound and leave and leave. leave. Not good work. Okay, we're done. <laughs> I mean, well, that done. is a that is a hard che- like a hard thing to figure out. Hard, a difficult oh, challenge from outside. How do you? We can't redesign Windows. We have you know uh, uh, infinity billion users of this thing. Yeah. Uh, how do we improve it? I mean, if you ask me, Windows Ten is like pretty good. Like I I don't I it's don't fine. want any like exactly. No. It's fine. It's fine. And I, I I use that word to my editors all the time, and they're always. The, the word fine now internally consumer reports means like amazing because it's like, oh, Nicholas has called it fine. It's like that means it, it is it's not it is, amazing, it's functional, it's it, it works, it does the job. And everyone I wish it were secure. 
Uh, that would be nice. Would be so used. that's what yeah. I'd like to see Microsoft yeah. really working. I'm sure they're working as hard as they can, but it's just of uh, course that it's plugging a, a leaky boat with you know chewing gum. Well, I mean, anything that has as much adoption as Windows is never going to be completely secure, even if it's up to date on I guess patches. That's true, just because. The way it's that most people use Windows yeah. is insecure. Humans are the problem. Humans yeah. mess everything up. Yeah, you humans are ruining it for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I, I, though, I'm excited. It's always nice to see a new, refreshed no, is, look. That's you'll like fun. It. it is you, cool. You it is exciting. Yeah. It's something. Yeah. It's like, oh, right, Thursday. I got a cool thing to look forward to. Windows 11. Yeah, we're kind of teasing. Oh, it looks a little different. But this is like this type of stuff does actually. If I were like I don't know, like a, like a dentist or whatever, I would probably be watching the Windows 11 live stream because I'm like, ooh, this. Let's see what they What's announce. New? It's just fun. I just that's uh, actually what I'm saying is the those, substance here is, like, is hey. those people are going to be disappointed because it isn't substantially. We're pooing yeah. it, but there is a huge audience for things that are pretty. Yeah, well, and if it's the same thing and it looks prettier, yeah. they'll use it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. And, and will again, they buy? Here's the question: Will they go out and buy a PC? Can they, they even buy a they PC? Will not. No, no, not after the market. Not after. The, so the will Microsoft? So here's my question: Will Microsoft charge for this new version of Windows? Uh, no, but they will probably charge for the hooks. So they've put some hooks into Windows 11 to make it easier for them to platform. Uh, and you already know about Xbox, but. I think they want to push a bit more. I think Microsoft actually wants to get a little bit of uh, a bit more of the the net services pie, and Windows 11 makes it easier for them to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. think of 11 is more of a portal than than 10 was. Yeah. Um. There's money there. That sounds good for Microsoft, but not for everybody. My readers necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, maybe it might be. I don't know. Is, am I biased when I say that? Windows is kind of the epitome of mediocrity. It's f- fine. But it's in this instance, mediocrity is not bad. Mediocrity no. also means everyone knows how to use it. Yeah. Everyone can use it. Everyone I just feel sorry it. for that poor old woman who yeah. is trying to figure out what an application-specific <laughs> password is. Her problem is not Windows, is AT&T. But f- then figure – sh- I just try to push people towards Chromebooks and iPads, honestly. Is that is that the right thing to do? You think? What about you, Nicholas? Do you? Do you talk- uh, we uh, have seen a huge interest, uh, explosion interest in Chromebooks over the past year. Yeah. Obviously, with the pandemic and folks working from home, uh, I, I think a Chromebook is uh, a good idea for a lot of folks. An iPad as well. Uh, my my uncle, who it's recently safer. retired from a career yeah. in law enforcement, he's kind of a a caveman, and I mean that with all due respect. Uh, the iPad is great for him because he just clicks Safari and he browses his like boxing websites and he turns it off he doesn't need a he doesn't need a windows pc no. he doesn't need a, a macbook pro he, he's very very simple simple is good simple is hard too to make something simple and make something good that's that's obviously you know, tricky to pull off uh but yeah I, I think a chromebook uh, a lot of our readers have definitely uh warmed to the chromebook at, at least uh you know people reaching out and asking me people reading articles about chromebooks my, you know producing chromebook articles there's a lot of uh interest in chromebooks it feels i feel like if you love if you're a nerd if you're a, an enthusiast you should be using linux <laughs> i mean honestly you should get the I same agree. hardware put linux on it uh if you if you're an, still on ubuntu i like linux linux yeah. is good linux is reliable it's solid maybe because it's a small target uh it's not as insecure probably because it's a small target i'm sure it would be if just as insecure as windows if it were as dominant as windows 
Um, I I gave my parents Max. They didn't like them. I don't think Macs are any better. I gave and then I gave them Chromebooks and they didn't like. They didn't them. like. And them. They went back to the Windows. They boxes. wanted Windows. Yeah. Well, that's what they're used to. Yeah. Yeah. I you know I I wish I could say oh get a Mac because it's it's the computer for the rest of us it's easy to use blah 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 I don't think it's that I, diff- I much difference hate whenever I'm complaining about something with Windows and at least five of the top six comments will be get a Mac to get a Mac I, I that doesn't help it's the same problem it doesn't help it's a similar problem yeah. I I mean I like it's lot to like about it but I think it's a similar problem um, so. Uh, Remember at the <laughs> about uh, this time last year, uh, both Apple and Google announced, "Hey, we're going to create an API, privacy forward API for contact tracing. It's going to solve the pandemic. Everybody's going to have it on their phone. <laughs> Every state's going to come out with an app, and bingo, bada bingo, COVID nineteen will disappear." They weren't, to be fair, the only people who thought COVID nineteen will disappear. Uh, MIT Media Lab has now come out with a report that says the contact tracing apps not only didn't take off, hardly anybody made one, and they didn't do anything. It was it was a perfect example of Silicon Valley hubris. Like, oh, we're smart. We can we can we can figure this. We'll figure. Hey, hold my beer. And nothing. Um makes sense? Agree, disagree? I mean, the, the problem with a contract tracing app is it can tell you if you have come into close contact with someone who was infected. It did nothing to change what you will do with that information. And I had learned that's not an I easy I turned thing. it on right away. In a year, I have had zero contacts. I mean, nothing. The only time I've had contacts was in the Vatican. Oh really? Yours, your phone went off. Said you've been near somebody with COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh, like right that's probably because so many people had it. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's here's why I think that this stuff didn't work. It was because of the asymptomatic nature in the beginning of the disease. So, if you um, you're not going to test positive right away, and you're not going to have any symptoms. So once that happens, the whole idea of contact tracing is kind of off the table. Because think about how many people you're going to come in contact with every day. When you have no idea, so you have five days in your life, you don't know you have COVID, you test positive for COVID. How many contacts? You know, if you're a somewhat busy person, it could be dozens, you know, uh, or maybe even above 100 people that you've come in contact with, let's say you went grocery shopping, right? So now are all those people going to have to quarantine? Like it, it just became a point because of the nature of this disease that if you are going to actually put contact tracing into place, you might as well just shut down, you know, all society for a couple of weeks and then resume after that yeah because it's never it, got to the place where we're going to do that in, so if you're going to like in yeah, it's totalitarian right. countries like china it worked because they were willing to exactly. weld, weld the door shut and say nobody's yeah. leaving in, in most western countries the people who would benefit from a contract tracing app were already not putting themselves into a position right. where they would need a contact tracing app yeah we were staying home anyway yeah. we we're staying home anyway so yeah. what was the use so, and then it doesn't get picked up on the test. So you do contact tracing. Okay, you got notified. You had a contact. Then you get tested. So like if this contact tracing actually worked according to plan, you get a ping every you know couple of weeks probably. Right. Then you go and get tested. You have no idea if you have right. the disease. It just wasn't something that lent itself to contact tracing. It really was going to be either one of two options. Well, maybe three options. One is the totalitarian option, which we saw in China. Two is everybody in the population wears masks. Three is you kind of hold your breath and wait till the vaccine. And so there have been different countries that have gone about different 
gone about it different ways. Obviously, the U.S. plan, you know, the most likely thing we were always going to do is wait for the technology to bail us out. And it did. MIT Technology Review does say there might, you know, down the road, this might have some value, but we should learn some lessons from this. And the chief lesson was the public didn't trust it. Mm-hmm. So people were, you know, this is another case where people were so worried about privacy. Google and Apple designed a lot of privacy into this, so much so that public health officials said, well, it's not going to be any good for us because we don't, we can't find out who's exposed. Uh, 25 states rolled out apps. They surveyed all the states, 25 states and uh, D.C. Virginia was the first to make it available to its residents in August, which was, which was kind of late. Others are only getting started now. Uh, Massachusetts began testing its app in April of this year. So a, a little late. By the way, the Massachusetts app is kind of interesting because there's been a lot of anecdotal reports that Google is installing it automatically on people's phones. Did you see that? Oh, I, I see nothing wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't say it with a straight face. I tried. I, I tried. I, I, I don't I don't. I, I don't, well, guys, we'll get to the bottom of it at some point. Maybe they turned on. See, I did that on my iPhone. I turned Still, it on and it said whenever California comes up with one. No, you, no, no, no. It no, shouldn't no, be installed no, automatically. No. Right. On your my phone. device, my rules. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, like, I, we are so furiously independent here. So like, yeah. even if this stuff worked to perfection, we're going to voluntarily quarantine. That didn't seem like it was really going to happen in right. this country. No, that's true. Um, all right. So, well, you know, it's good, though. You should do a postmortem after this stuff and yeah. see, did, was this, did this work? Did this? The technology is interesting. What they did to anonymize the data was actually interesting and encouraging. But uh, I, I think we're right here in that this kind of disease just wasn't good for contact tracing. Because there is such a long um, incubation period, it, it, it's not effective because all that it takes is one person who says, oh, the contact tracing app told me that I was exposed and I wasn't. And suddenly no one, no one trusts. Yeah. Well, there is one bright light. We, ca- we actually made a vaccine faster than ever before. And there's a technology that has some real promise. Well, we did and we did uh, Because, I mean, this vaccine was being developed before COVID. Right. I mean, it's 20 years in the making before we got to Yeah, but we've got, now we've got this idea that we can, yes. using mRNA, we can, over, you know, over a couple of days, genetically sequence a disease, and a couple of days later, using computer technology, create a potential vaccine for mm-hmm. it. Of course, we still have to test it on humans and things like that. We just eliminate that part. And then, you know, and I have a feeling... Uh, with variants and boosters and so forth, we may actually be doing this again and again. And now, this is not going away. And now companies are talking about using it for other uh, illnesses, including HIV. That mRNA may be a kind of a, a golden tool. So there's some, you know, there's things we learned. New York State has passed a right to repair bill in this in the Assembly. Oh no, I'm sorry, in the Senate of New York State, but it still has to pass the Assembly. It's the first legislative. This surprises me because I know many states were considering right to repair acts. It's the first legislative body in the U.S. to pass a right to repair bill. Still, though, there's a gulf between that and it actually becoming the law of the land or the law of the state. This makes sense in New York because when you're talking about right to repair, you're most often talking about small items, phones, computers, maybe even cars. I want to see this tested in 
like the Midwest where people would be saying you have a right to repair your tractor. It's about John Deere. Yeah. The two companies that have been fighting this most viciously are Apple mm-hmm. and John Deere. Um, you're right. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if this passes. In fact, it may not even uh, pass through the uh, Senate. In, uh, in, uh, I think it's just a near, like a, a calendar thing. I think this the legislative session ends this week. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of momentum it. behind yeah. behind uh, yeah. this idea. Now, I've covered right to repair. I, I was at Motherboard for a couple years. A couple years ago, uh, we cover our right to repair here at Consumer Reports. It's, it's it's not a primary issue that we care about, but it's you know it's the idea of ownership. And this is my thing. Uh, I remember once when I was reporting on a right to repair story, I was on the phone with uh, apparently there's a lobbying group for like small appliances like toasters and and things like that. Uh, and I use and I basically told them, I was like, look, if I buy a toaster and I smash it with a sledgehammer, why is it anyone's business but mine? Uh, and the people on the other end of the phone thought I was a crazy person. <laughs> why would you ever do that? <laughs> but like the point is, I bought this and it's mine. It's mine. Like, I can do anything I want. I just, if, if I want to turn it into it, a hover car, I should be able to do that. Yes. And there, there is like, to me, it, it is a real like fundamental thing. It's like, I bought this thing. It is mine. If I want to use yeah. it as you've designed it, great. If I want to physically destroy it for a fun YouTube video, that's my business. Uh, you, your, your, your relationship with this product ended when I purchased it. I don't want you to have any say so over what I do with well, it. And a lot of companies just have a real, because it's, it's bad brand. Oh, if, if something happens to it, it's it, well, it a weird, uh, weird branding thing. It's that, but Apple's position is also, you could make it, if you got somebody to third party to repair the screen and the screen is intimately connected with the fingerprint reader, you could inadvertently, that person could inadvertently make your device insecure. You wouldn't know that. And so we want to make sure, which actually would argue that they give people training and manuals and parts right. sure not just say exactly. don't do it you got to do it at, yeah. uh, at the apple store i don't I almost don't as if that. apple's exploiting the privacy angle in order to sell more <laughs> devices they wouldn't do that <laughs> i haven't seen dozens of commercials that were doing specifically that over the last week <laughs> oh. oh okay good glad you haven't seen those <laughs> no but okay so on the downside, I think on this panel, I think we're all pretty much on the right to repair side. Yes. I mean, it's yes. our devices. We've bought them. Yes. We've paid for them. Yes. We should be able to tinker with them. Yes. The, the downside side would be there are certain devices that interact with other devices that we don't own. Perhaps. And in those instances, maybe the right to repair must be interpreted a bit That more was narrowly. Apple's argument against jailbreaking. Allowing Correct. jailbreaking is if you jailbreak your phone, it doesn't just impact you. It impacts the network. Right, right. But like a right to repair a car, a Tesla that has auto drive features that you could really screw up. That would might be a problem. That might be a problem. Medical devices that are connected to a network, that might also be a problem. So, uh, yes, I am gung-ho on right to repair. I think we should err on the side of right to repair. But I think you need to identify those instances where... No, it, this is not just your device. You didn't just buy it. It's connected to a larger ecosystem that you could mess up, and therefore there need to be restrictions. Yeah. I agree to a point, but I could take my car to any mechanic on Main Street True. in New York State, and he could fix it. I don't need Toyota or Honda's permission. Right. Uh, if I want to get my iPhone fixed, I you know theoretically need yeah. Apple's permission, uh, which is great if I live near an Apple-authorized you know repair center. But if I don't, uh, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And I mean, you've got you've got the right to repair your car in that you could change the tire. You could do that poorly and endanger everyone on the freeway. But we don't say people aren't allowed to change their own tire. So, yeah, yeah. I think uh, there's no clear barrier. Exactly. Here, yeah, yeah. But that you have to keep that in mind. I think 
because so many of our devices are interconnected, we at least need to consider what are the ramifications of allowing people to do anything they want with a device that then interacts with other people. FTC came out with a report in May of this year uh, in which they said uh, that making repairs harder actually makes independent repair less safe. They also didn't buy the arguments that independent repair threatens customer security or opens manufacturers up to liability, having found no evidence of either. And they also noted that repair restrictions that limit the business of independent repair shops cause harm to local economies mm-hmm. and disproportionately hurt the poor and minorities. Uh, so when you, I think it's pretty clear that although Apple tries and, and John Deere tries to dress it in some other clothing, it really is just, hey, it's our money and we want it. <laughs> We're right. And honestly, you say you can repair your Toyota. But good luck if you have trouble with the uh, the ignition system. Or I mean, nowadays you need a computer, and only dealers have those computers. You know, and uh, I think that that's perhaps a, a symptom of the complexity of the world we live in and the devices we use. I love tinkering with an old vehicle. Old cars is different. Well, that has have a shake no, not a computer chip yeah. in it. It's, I used to tune up fun. my Volkswagen. Yeah, you, all you need is a voltmeter and a wrench and. <laughs> and I thought I would love the computer age where I could just plug it in and reprogram it with my computer. But, I mean, not it's not, not nearly as, as satisfying. No. No. But honestly, that's every car these days. You yeah. can't, I mean, they're, they're, they're hideously complex. Well, when you had the Tesla, Lisa was complaining that it crashed every once in a while. Not never, like physical crash. actually crashed. The computer just froze up. Oh, every once in a while. Yeah, there's a three-button salute, actually, for the <laughs> Tesla. There's a reset. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> No. Well, it's it's the it's it's not the actual drivetrain. It's just right. the telematics, the entertainment and, and system. All that but aren't those all tied together? Uh, I think so. I mean, that's uh, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I she won't wouldn't let me get another Tesla. Everybody who owns a Tesla loves their Tesla until they get rid of it. And then, but I I was just nervous about buying another one. I thought I kind of want to get one of those new Ford F one fifties, the old electric. Oh, I really want one of those. I, I, mean, I, I have the. You saw it out here. The, I'd, I'd plug the it Mustang, in my house. the electric Mustang. Yeah. I love it. Power my house for three days during an emergency. Isn't that a great idea? Yeah. yeah. You could do that with a Tesla too, by the way. But the the battery pack in an F one fifty is way. Oh, it's a lot. It's hefty. Way way bigger. Yep. Yep. Are you into the Tesla Cybertruck? Is that your next move after this F one fifty? No, the battle, the battle truck. <laughs> you, you know yeah. what that? The the, you know what that battle looks like? Truck? Do you remember there used to be an arcade game called Battle Zone? Yeah, with love Battle graphics. Zone. It looked the, just the, like a Battle Zone. Tesla Cybertruck looks yeah. exactly like it should yeah. be in that game. No, you're right. I mm. love that game. <laughs> uh, I, Sam Abul Samet, who's our uh, car guy, uh, says it's highly unlikely the Cybertruck will ship in that in that format. Yeah. It's not going to be hmm. the battle. Truck. I just want to go to Tesla Ooh, dealerships and throw cool. ball bearings at the windows. It's cool. I like look at those. It. Uh, what are those uh, hexagonal tires? It's a, uh, it, it does look like I, a Chevy. I think it's a beautiful. I think it's a beautiful really? car. You think that's beautiful? Absolutely. Yeah, I feel it's like my kind of car. It's uh, got. I'll the, get it. It, you know what? It kind of looks like a DeLorean. It's got that angular type thing going on. Well, it's on. also the brushed yeah. metal. That's why. It's yeah. not, oh, it's it so sweet. It's, look at that know. thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I would drive it just because of the looks. I mean, I'll get, get the Hot Wheels. People would be terrified. They'd think the tax squad was going to pile out of it. <laughs> That's true. It does look like it is sort of a mercenary it's very militaristic. Yeah, I, I bet it's very oh, low, man. low observability from, from radar. Dang, with look at that. Surfaces. <laughs> you like the, the tent? Back. You like the tent? Uh, when I they, mean, come when on. they announced the, the, 
They had a little uh, a little Cybertruck, a uh, little uh, in the, mini vehicle in, yeah. drive out of the back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, you'll be the jerk in the campsite, but you'll feel really good about this. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> will mess with you. Even those yeah. bears, bears are going to want to stay with that guy. He's gonna, like you will arms. look good as the most hated person at Burning Man. <laughs> oh, if you drove that at Burning Man, you'd be a star. No, no, people would love you. Are you? Kidding? That's exactly the crowd. All right, that's the crowd right there. Hey, let's take a little break. Great panel. It's so fun to have uh, Alex Kantrowitz on BigTech.Substack.com. He also does a Big Tech podcast. Uh, that's why he's got mm-hmm. the big fancy microphone. It's that's great, right. Great to have you, Alex. Uh, it's great to be here. Yeah. But it's called Big Technology Podcast, by the way. Just if, just just if you're searching it for it. Big Technology yeah. Podcast. <laughs> nice. Easy Thank to you. find. Thanks for the shout out. Not Big yep. Tech. Is is that throwing it if I say Big Tech? There is a Big Tech Podcast. Oh. They're a mortal enemy. So we... Oh. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we have all of our listeners go to Big Tech Podcast. Give them one star reviews. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Big, big technology, technology you know, not I, big. I could take care of that for you. Yeah, yeah let's see. We, we have, have a, a special division in the this. Vatican. Oh my god! Good. good. Actually, exactly uh, the guy I'm hoping to meet. Father Father Robert Ballas here, the digital Jesuit, on leave just temporarily from the Vatican to join us in studio. It's really good to have you. It's nice to be he home. is also running the Vatican's own Minecraft server. <laughs> Still going strong. And now you have Factorio. Factorio and uh, the TF2 and Valheim. I've got to come by and play the You Valheim. need to show me how to play that game. I tried playing it for five minutes and I just kept dying. Oh, yeah, that's part of the fun. Oh, no, it's not. I did a stream the other night because I'm a, you know, I'm a Twitch streamer. Of course, of course. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Twitch.tv slash club twitch. And uh, it was, I was going to take on the, a boss, uh, the fourth boss, who turns out to be tough. I was a little sanguine. I told Lisa, you know, uh, it's, it was six. We just had dinner. I said, she said, I want to go for a walk. I said, give me an hour. I'll be back in an hour. And the, sun, a, the sun gonna, was coming up. I'm going to beat motor <laughs> and we can go for a walk. She's sitting there. She says, I don't think we're going for a walk. It's about 1130 at night. Uh, I died, and it was kind of humiliating because I'm on the stream. Yeah, every, like it's every terrible. five seconds, like clockwork. I must have died twenty or thirty times. I don't normally care about dying in video games, but there's something about Valheim that I, it hurts. <laughs> it, I, it like it's ugh. actually the least disturbing because you don't lose anything no. except skill points. And but it's just, annoying. It's just annoying. And embarrassing. You have to go back home and then run naked back to your body and recover all your stuff. And uh, well, you have to hope do you don't rust. get killed yeah. again anyway. And uh, which is your favorite of those that you play on? Is it Factor- it was Factorio the last No, uh, so Oxygen Not Included. I still play Rust. Rust is fun. Rust is cool, too. Right, yeah. I do enjoy that. Actually, Rust has a Valheim feel. It's, yeah, it's yeah. very survivalist. Yeah. Uh, but no, for, for just a fun game to have running in the background, it's Oxygen, oxygen Not Included. How many hours uh, in are you on? A um, couple. 3,000, I think you no, said? It's 2,094. <laughs> That's a lot of hours. Yeah, right? right? That's too many hours. Uh, do we... you get Bitcoin or something? I mean, no, what's I the deal? Wish, I wish. <laughs> I probably could have mined some Bitcoin with all those If cycles. people want to get into the uh, servers, how do they do that? Uh, the easiest way is just to go to, um, uh, if you go to my Twitter feed at twitter.com slash PadreSJ, uh, there's instructions to get on our Discord. So all of our gaming servers are tied to our Discord server. So once you join there, and I think we've got 9,000 members right now, you will automatically be able to enter into the gaming servers. Wow. I it's thought a, I was in your Discord server, and I see I must have oh, exited. Well, I'll, I'll have no, to. I'm in. I got in. I just uh, – I must have uh, – I have so many servers now. Yeah, I know. I know. That, uh, so I will uh, – I'll post the link again. I'll go back feed. in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have a membership, so I should just be able to click a yeah. link, right? And oh, go absolutely. Back in. Yeah. Yeah. I will do that. 
Uh, it's also great to have you, Nicholas de Leon, who is, of course, the senior reporter at Consumer Reports, writes about technology. There does a great job. You have a very fancy chair. What is that uh, chair you're sitting on? Uh, Secret Lab. It is the semi-official chair of all PC gaming nerds out there, oh. including myself. It's very good. Uh, it's very fancy. I got. I mean, if, I was working from home all last year, so I was like, I kind of need a, uh, a comfortable chair. Uh, so that's them. But, you know, yes, that's them. Do you I have feel like the they Tau have or the Omega? I have the Omega, uh, although if, if wow. folks are asking, I would, I would recommend the Titan because Titan. it is a little bit more robust. The lumbar uh. adjustment, this kind of just has a pillow, which I didn't realize when I purchased it, uh, but it works just fine. Uh, but yeah, they're they're big, big, fun gaming chairs for uh, the gamer in your wow. life. Sounds like you guys play games. So. Yeah, I might need a special chair. I'm just sitting in an office That's chair next. right now. That's ridiculous. Actually, we bought Michael. He, wanted better. It. he had a... I like a razor gaming chair and it really was crappy. So I just got him the course here. But now that I know about this, I might have, I might regret it. And by the way, note, they recommend with the sizes, they include not just height, but weight. <laughs> so you buy the chair by the amount of weight that you're going to put in there. And if you're up to 390 pounds, you're going to want that Titan XL. That's the, that's the chair for the serious gamer. You know, I don't know how I we got to do a, a secret lab ad, but uh. the, the the gaming chair that I use in Rome is about four hundred years old. A throne. Um, it was the only chair that I could find to move up to my little studio. And um, does it look fancy? At least it looks old. I, I don't. I don't have any gauge for that. Is it made of wood? It's definitely wood. It's definitely, is there padding of any kind? Uh, when I put the pillow on top of it. <laughs> Uh, but we don't do swivel chairs or gaming chairs. It's if you if you don't ache from that's the back, right. not then, enough suffering. Yeah, so there's yeah. not enough suffering. Why are you doing it? Yeah, wow, that's hysterical. So you can't way. swivel or anything. Uh, you can, but you you carve gouges in the floor. <laughs> so also, uh, the Holy Father is still looking for that chair. By the way, the the, the chairs from that era were not study. designed for people of my weight. Uh -oh. I may have had to reinforce that. Thing oh, no. <laughs> but thankfully, I have a 3D printer, so I could make little hinges. I, I think you should have used iron and leather. <laughs> it, it probably wouldn't yeah, have helped. Would have, would have looked good. <laughs> Great to have all three of you. Thank you for joining us. And, and Nicholas, you have a podcast you want to plug or anything like that? Uh, well, I mean, Consumer Reports, I would just say, you know, ConsumerReports.org, subscribe. subscribe. Yeah. Why aren't you uh, a subscriber is the question. Everybody should subscribe. It's, it's, it's funny. There was a lot of stories going around with like fake reviews on Amazon over the past week or so. And, yeah. and I was kind of semi-joking. You know what place doesn't have uh, a problem with fake reviews? Because we buy everything. We test everything ourselves. Uh, reading some of the reviews on Amazon, it's like I don't know that I would rely on some of that stuff anymore. It's just every, every product is, is amazing. Five stars. I'm like, that's a little suspicious. Everything's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, uh, just search consumer reports. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a nice place. I've I'm been very, a member. I'm very proud to be there. Yeah. I'm, I think for 20, maybe 30 uh, years, I'm uh, always, I think it's the greatest thing. I mean, I used to get the magazine in mm -hmm. the mail. I now just do the online thing. But Yeah, I got I, my parents got it when I was a kid and yeah. had the, 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 red, the, the red dots. And yeah. like I obviously, you know, when I'm yeah. 10, I, I don't think that I'd work for that place one day. 
Uh, but yeah, we're we're you know we've been around for almost a hundred years. A nonprofit. We buy everything ourselves. Uh, so that the manufacturers don't send us like a juiced unit or whatever to, to juice the That's numbers. That's the right way to do it. You go to the actual uh, is, store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a really special place, and I'm 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 really proud to be there. Uh, for the Zoomers in our audience, Consumer Reports, is, <laughs> it's like Yelp and Google all wrapped up in one, but it gets delivered to you. It's That's the original. We've got a TikTok account. <laughs> do you really? Oh, I want to follow do, that. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I don't, but Consumer Reports does. <laughs> I uh, I told my wife once that I bought my shampoo based on the Consumer Report recommendation. She said, why would you follow their recommendations? Those guys wash their hair with soap. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. But um, <laughs> one, one little story. Uh, a few weeks back, um, I was in a meeting and there were some people there who were saying, well, we're on social. How come we're not on TikTok? We should be on TikTok. I said, really? And so I started showing typical oh, TikTok videos. And after yeah. about five minutes, they said... Now we don't need to be on TikTok. It's really? a generational thing, I think. It's, it is generational. There's, there's many different TikToks. It's all about what the algorithm There's inspiration you. stuff. <laughs> you know, well, I, it's great. Have you seen have, uh, my son's TikTok? Salt Hank? Look at this. He's going to make avocado uh, toast. Nice. That you have hey, never he's had. got a really popular account. Oh, yeah. He's very popular. That's awesome. He's, uh, he's going places, this kid. I think this is These actually great. his career goal. Leo, is this be- is far better than doing jousting with hoverboards. <laughs> he's gone. He's gone well beyond that. Watch this. Oh, These are great. That's, that's actually a, that's well done. Yeah. I said, how come you don't ever make this at home? Mm, that looks okay, so if I did this for the Vatican, it would just be really poorly made eggs. Hard, hard eggs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's a he's quite a cook. I think his I had most. To delete go ahead. TikTok. Yeah, Sorry I did too. Because it it, too it's too addictive. I, they even have I a guy who comes all. on after you are on it for more than an hour who says, get mm-hmm. some water, take a break. I just use the YouTube TikTok, which is actually just TikTok videos that someone has uploaded to YouTube. That's probably good. You enough. can actually see the TikTok yeah, logo. That's probably good. Oh, that's better. But yeah, there have been, um, been times where I just like, all right, just fall into these TikTok holes. And exactly. uh, I know it's a couple hours later. That's, ex- and I was like, that's why I took it off healthy. the phone. It's not it healthy. It was fine when I couldn't leave the apartment. Right. Now I can leave. TikTok went, I don't miss it. Actually, maybe that's what it is, is these are, these were COVID habits that right. we can now. They're coping. They help you they cope. They were helping us cope because we couldn't do anything else. And now we're getting back to work. Oh God. Which I don't. <laughs> Give me TikTok. The sad thing is my work is pretty <laughs> much the same as I was during the pandemic. I'm still living in a huge house yeah. in the middle of a city that I never leave because everything's in the house. You're not giving the last rights as often as you used to. Right? <laughs> oh, no, that's I, a terrible joke. I'm oh, it's sorry. true though. It's very true. It's Did we, you have to? Was there we were lost, a lot of deaths? We lost a lot. Oh, I'm we so lost sorry. A lot. I'm so sorry. Um, I, I shouldn't l- joke about that. By the last count, I think it's about 400, 400 Jesuits. From your house no, alone? No, from around the world. Oh, around the in world. In my house, we we lost three. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. That's really sad. But I mean, 600,000 in the U.S. We broke I that know, number. It's terrible. All right, but we're getting there. We're getting better. We got people in the studio. Uh, we're, we, we, you know, I, I, I say we survived it. We made it. Well, we made up it. to now. I mean, it's not, it's not over. over. The, the Delta variant, it got into Rome right before I left. And it's, it's bad. It's really, really bad. It's it's one of the, we actually lost one guy to it and he was fine in the morning and he was dead by evening. Oh my god. And he's he was what 47 Are you years sure old? you're have you did you have a test? 
Are you? I, I have tested it. I remember I had to be tested before I got on the plane. I tested I'm at the airport. Next to you now, tested Nicholas. in Atlanta, and then tested when I landed. Alex, I'd move if I were you. <laughs> I showed it. I just wanted to appear digitally today. <laughs> yes, that's probably good thinking. I showed it. Brought to you by Udacity. I love Udacity. I joined in 2012. Taken many courses there. I the thing that blew me away back in 2012, it was started by a Googler uh, who realized that honestly people weren't getting the education they needed to get those great jobs at the big tech companies. So they created the nano degrees first with Google, but now with Microsoft and IBM and Amazon too. These nano degrees give you the skills that you need to get a great job in technology. In in really. Areas, in some cases, you can't get anywhere else. AI, deep learning. They've got a flying car, an autonomous flight engineer course. They've got intro to self-driving cars, machine learning engineer, robotics software engineer. To create this course content, Udacity partners with industry leaders, Microsoft, Google, IBM, Amazon, selects team leads at top companies to be instructors. So you're learning from people who really use this and know this stuff not somebody who learned it 10 years ago and is still teaching it. If you love learning and you're always looking to know more tech stuff, Udacity is for you. And if you want a better job, if you want to get in the tech industry, this is the way to do it. Udacity can help you master the latest tech skills and techniques. What I love about it is, of course, you've got the videos you can watch with these great instructors. But every Udacity course is project-based. It's active learning. They want you to get hands-on with these technologies. That's so important. It's one thing to learn it. It's another thing to actually implement it. There's NVIDIA and Twitter, too. That's another couple of companies that uh, create courses for Udacity. Cutting-edge technology. You'll do these projects. Your homework and projects are reviewed by qualified professionals. But don't worry, you're not going it alone. You'll have human feedback and reviews, but also access to mentors 24-7. So you really... It is a team working with you to get your skills up to snuff. And you can do it in your spare time. Put in as little as 5 to 10 hours a week, any time of the day or night. They know many of you have day jobs but want a better job. You can graduate in as little as three months. This is the depressing stat from the World Economic Forum. 75 million jobs, jobs today, will be replaced in the next three years by automated processes. 75 million. That's why a lot of people are going to Udacity to get ready for the jobs of the future. 14 million people use Udacity in over 240 countries. Just do me a favor. Just look at Udacity.com. Take a look at all the different courses. If you find something that piques your interest, maybe a nano degree you really want, I want you to take a look at our offer. Now, this is only going through the end of June, June 30th, 2021. Go to udacity.com slash twit. The offer code is twit75, and it's for 75%, 75% off any program. Offer code twit75. Flexible payment options. Learn at your own pace and schedule. There are free courses, too. You might want to take one of those just to get a sense of what Udacity could do. There's courses in polishing your GitHub profile, your, your resume on LinkedIn, marketing, networking, all of that kind of stuff. And if you're a business and you want to get your team up to snuff in cutting-edge technologies like data science, AI, cybersecurity, check out Udacity for Enterprise. You can upskill your entire workforce with real-world project-based learning. It's all in the enterprise section at Udacity's website, udacity.com slash 
twit. Get the in-demand tech skills you need to advance your career. The world needs your brains. You need the skills to get those jobs. It's a perfect match, and you can get it on at udacity.com slash twit. And don't forget that offer code twit75, but you've got to hurry. You've only got about uh, 10 more days. The offer expires June 30th, 2021. Udacity.com slash twit. Thank you, Udacity, for supporting uh, This Week in Tech. And uh, thank you, dear listener, for supporting us by using that special address, udacity.com slash twit, and the offer code twit seven five um let's see what else oh this this was actually a shocker to me i didn't realize data centers use so much water yes uh the city council of mesa arizona approved a giant data center for apple in mesa arizona uh the data center uses 1.25 million gallons of water every day. Mesa, like much of the country, is going through a drought. We're getting a serious drought here in California. Uh, Some of the city council is saying, hold on there, 1.25 million gallons of water, and it doesn't benefit Mesa particularly. There are 1,800 data centers all over the country. Uh, many of them using a huge amount of water. Virginia Tech estimates one-fifth of data centers draw water from moderate to highly stressed watersheds, mostly out here in the West. Um, there's, a co- there's a cost uh, to that Google search, to that iCloud uh, storage, that it goes beyond the, the couple of bucks a month you're paying for it. Uh, spending on global data center infrastructure will reach $200 billion a year, according to Gartner. That's up 6% and then should go up 3 to 4% annually over the next three years. At the same time as, as drought goes crazy, the typical data center actually uses 3 to 5 million gallons of water. That's the same amount a day. Same amount of water as a city of thirty to 50,000 people. Holy cow. I don't have to do it. I mean, the only other way is to make it way more expensive to, to run because – we're talking about hyperscale data centers, and hyperscale data centers have such a high density that you need massive amount of cooling. It's for cooling, right? Didn't didn't Google look at putting them underwater? I mean, there were companies building. Yeah, these Google, things. Microsoft, uh, either locating them underwater or putting them in areas of the world where natural cooling can be taken advantage of. But if you drop a data center in the middle of Arizona, there ain't no cool place, uh, and the evaporative coolers use up a ton of water. Where does the water go? In the air? It goes in the air because you've got these huge towers that are running like cascading waterfalls of water. And as it evaporates, it cools and you can pipe it back into the data center. Now, you could do traditional uh, closed loop cooling, but that's on an order of 10x to 20x more expensive because wow. it's way more energy intensive. Wow. It's cheaper for them just to let the water evaporate. This is depressing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's even tenable. I don't know if it's not. Can- yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, that that water. We talk about farms, <laughs> farms requiring a, a lot of water, but it's the fraction of that, and we need the almonds. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, wow, wow, I, that's terrifying. 
We're really, uh, things I, are very dry here right now. I remember I had a conversation with Greenpeace maybe two years ago about some of this stuff and data center use and, and how how uh, energy efficient. That feels like a, to- you know, that's probably wouldn't be my beat necessarily, but uh, it feels like that's a topic that uh, we should be talking about a little bit more because I don't know that we, I see a lot about Bitcoin energy and it being right. bad and maybe it is, I don't know. Uh, but like this data, that's that's, uh, that doesn't sound tenable. Yeah, you're right. So Bitcoin is easy to identify and attack because it's something that a lot of people don't use. And so right. therefore, it's the bad guy. Right. And yes, it is super inefficient. It uses up a lot of energy. Then the energy is essentially the capital that you're putting into the system. But for you to have always on access to yeah. everything that you want requires all these data centers to be spun up at all times of the day, requires all the massive amounts of infrastructure to be connected to each other. So you're participating. Everyone's participating in these hyperscale data centers because that's why these things work. We were talking, you were showing that you've got some new Anchor uh, GAN mm-hmm. uh, chargers, and we were talking about it. I saw that uh, a number of companies particularly uh, Rav Power and Aki have been removed from Amazon for soliciting reviews. Yes. Um, and I, I was a little bit uh, shocked. Apparently uh, Amazon just recently yanked Rav Power, Vava and Tautronics. They're all share a parent company, um, a Chinese company. Um, and I think it, it, it all started with a Wall Street Journal report uh, showing that uh, uh, the, the reporter Nicole Nguyen had, when they when she bought a new charger from Rav Power, got a coupon in there offering thirty five dollars in a gift card for an Amazon review. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's good money. It's also against Amazon's rules Very and has so. been for five years. Yeah. Um, so apparently, that was the. Now I like Rav Power. I buy their uh, their products are actually pretty good. Yeah, their chargers. Yeah. Um, my charge, my Rav Power. They actually made decent product, but they felt as if if they didn't stack the reviews, they don't get to the top of Amazon search, and therefore they lose out. Yeah. So it was a calculated bet, and they lost. Yeah, they lost. And I, I, I think I understand. You were talking, Nicholas, about the problem Amazon's having with with phony reviews. They're blaming social media. Um, how okay. how many reviews on Amazon do you think are fake? Because I honestly, I don't buy something unless I read the reviews first. I've been solicited for that's, them. Really? Yeah, a lot. That's I, the real value. At least or once, was the real value of Amazon for me yeah. was those reviews. Uh, I couldn't even estimate how many are. What I do personally, uh, you know, if it's not something that, you know, let's say, let's say, I don't know, headphones or whatever, I'll often Google like blah, 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 Reddit, and to find the people talking about that's the thing. That's a better like, way oh, to do it. Is, yeah. this a, is this like, let's, I'm current, currently shopping around for some home theater stuff. And so I'm, I'm typing all the models and like, Reddit and seeing people talk about them and like actual humans, at least Reddit to my knowledge, hasn't been like gamified or like subverted in that way well, yet. But I feel you like tell going if to- they're phony, I mean, not if they're written well. Yeah, but how many are written well? Uh, no, okay. So a lot of the spam ones, yeah, just you discard those. Tell. But if someone's actually going into detail about yeah. what they used it for. Well, that's the problem with this gift card thing because that may actually right. solicit somebody who's really cares yes. to write that, that review. Right. Um, Amazon says it removed more than 200 million suspected fake reviews in 2020 alone before they were seen by customers. 
So, I mean, that's a huge number. Now, something I, interesting I find about this story is uh, a while back, probably about six or seven months ago, I was solicited for a set of reviews for products that I had only searched for on Amazon. <laughs> for the reason I thought you were going to say a set of steak knives. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you- no, so these were products I had only looked for on Amazon. I hadn't Googled for them. I just thought, oh, those are interesting. And then like the next day. They knew that I you'd got, seen that. Right. Listing. I'm like, so is Amazon selling that data? I mean, they have they to must be. be. That's the only way that they could have gotten it. They so must be. They, got, they were able to buy a list of people who, who looked at their product but didn't buy. And suddenly they said, hey, we'd love to give you a free X, Y, or Z. All we would I, ask is you write a review. I find it hard to believe that Amazon is selling that first party data to people. I mean, that's the secret sauce. Well, how would they get else. that? I, There's no way. Well, that's, that's what I thought. I'm like, no, no way Amazon would risk that. But then how in the world did they get that? It's the same story with uh, Facebook is listening to us on our devices, yeah. which is <laughs> that oftentimes, you know, we might think that our behaviors are or the products we're interested in are, um, you know, very idiosyncratic or specific to ourselves. But once you can, you know, target someone with some broad targeting criteria, uh, you could generally figure out what they like and what they want. And in fact, when I would speak to people who used to work in the front offices in Amazon, you know, they would tell me that they could tell you everything about the way that people live in a certain zip code. Absolutely. Uh, all they needed is a zip code. All they, they need is a zip code. Do, their leisure. That's been going on for everywhere. decades. They know yeah. everything. Yeah. So it's not as if the, you know, they needed to necessarily search, uh, you know, your, your search history on Amazon, which Amazon would never sell because that's what powers the whole marketplace. Right. Um, it could just be that they, they guessed pretty well. Which is why the same thing that happens. You when didn't. People say you didn't Facebook click list. anything. You just opened I, I, that page. I just opened at that the page. Product, went on. This one was so. This was for a backpack, a solar powered backpack. So it's highly unlikely they would have said, "Oh, that Father Robert, he buys a lot of solar right. powered so backpacks." That's, so it was such a niche thing, and it yeah. was so un- different than anything I've ever searched. And then for. the next day, after looking I at that listing, I got an offer. Uh, we'll send you a free one. All we want a is a review. Quite a coincidence. And the, the way they phrased it was interesting because they said, "We we don't." We don't want to buy a positive review. We just want to make sure you share your well, experience on Amazon. Amazon gets upset about right. that. Yeah, uh, Amazon's maybe you blaming have, uh, some malware installed on your computer <laughs> I, where they're tracking. Do you your, have honey your, on your computer? I mean, it's possible. Do you have honey? It's always possible. Do you use the Edge browser? I uh, I do. Do you have you noticed the Edge browser? If you start to buy something, will fire up and give you a hundred coupons for uh, that really? off. Yeah, I think it's the Edge browser. I have never Microsoft selling it. It's the weirdest thing. Is that only with the honey plug? Because I don't have no, no, no. It's built into Edge. It's built into Edge. I mean, I've been using Edge for a while now. I've never gotten a coupon offer. Go to a Lenovo and oh no. So this is this maybe is, we all have malware on our computers. No, no. This is Microsoft <laughs> Edge now has this is from the this Verge is, of November oh. of last year. Hmm. Coupon and promo codes built <gasps> in. It just did it. Get oh, up to twenty-two percent cash back. Re- oh, okay. it just did it. Lenovo. Oh man, now I have to dump. Now, edge. when if you if you pick, click a, a laptop oh. and start to order it, it'll look for it at other sites. That is horrible. No, no, Microsoft. I was with you, but now we're done. It's built into Edge. No, 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 no. We found ten coupons. Microsoft Edge is trying available coupons. Summer twenty was applied to your cart, but you know what? They saved a lot of money. They saved me like seventeen hundred bucks on Lenovo. Right. Now Microsoft knows what. what but now they know. Surfs. They basically built Honey into Edge. That's not cool. That's, okay. that's so not cool. We now know. Can the I turn culprit. that off? Is there a way to get rid of that? Why would you ever want to turn that oh. off? 
great. Now I'm, I'm sure do, there is a setting. I have to do everything from the Brave browser now. Yeah. No more Edge for you. I like the Edge because it it is actually much faster than Chrome. Chrome got so junkified. Oh, I don't. I won't use Chrome. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to use Chrome. Should Amazon? use the Lynx browser. Text Lynx, only. baby. Text only. They as God intended, the, I believe. Not, as God so intended. that's the, the Zork of browsers. I like it. Actually, Tim Berners-Lee is selling the source code for the World Wide Web as an NFT. Okay. I'm glad. Tim TBL, who invented the World Wide Web when he was a physicist at CERN at the yeah, Particle Research Lab. He something. He felt like physicists should be able to kind of comment on each other's papers and they should be able to have, you know, hyperlinks and stuff like that. Invented the World Wide Web on a next cube. He is, it's the first time, according to NBC, so you got to trust them, the first time Tim Berners-Lee has been able to capitalize financially on what is widely viewed as one of the greatest inventions of our time. Okay, I, well, I want to reward him. He should, he should do well. well Someone it, buy it for like a billion dollars, Well, it, the funny thing is Sotheby's is auctioning it off June 23rd through 30th. The bidding starts at 1000 bucks. Look, if Nyan Cat can go for what was it, six hundred grand? Yeah. in Ethereum tokens, yeah. I, I think he can get a couple hundred. The NFT includes He's make a. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. He's going to make a ton of money off of it, but I, I still don't really understand this whole NFT thing. No one does. That's okay. You got don't worry about for it. It's the it's the, the TikTok of the crypto crowd. The, the NFT. TikTok, I, I understand TikTok way more than I understand NFTs. At least you can enjoy TikTok. Alex, right. did you ever buy a Beanie Baby hoping it was going to make more money when it was a year later? Or perhaps I, baseball I cards? Don't, I don't Comics. deny buying physical collectibles. The digital collectible, I don't get it. Because yeah. I, maybe I'm wrong about this. But can't you build you know multiple ownership tokens on a bunch of different blockchains and then end up having like the... This NFT and that NFT. Yes. Know. So uh, with the with the addition of Taproot to Bitcoin, it's now more amenable to smart contracts, which means you could technically build that on top of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I guess. It's, in fact, it's the, all, the, it's the provenance is kind of lo- uh, is in in a way that say a baseball Correct. card isn't is 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 very provable, right? Yes. But most, some of the people who were early adopters of NFTs, early investors of NFTs, have realized that you're not actually buying the asset; you're buying a pointer to the asset. Here is the uh, auction listing. Yes, yes, you're not. No, yeah, you don't own the source code. Right. So if the asset, where it's, if the hosting for the asset goes away, you can't access it anymore. Look at this. He's <laughs> he's writing this. What is this? Objective C. This is what you're buying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're getting you get an original archive of dated and time stamped files containing the source code, written between October third, nineteen ninety, and August twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. That's about ten thousand lines of code. Uh, and you get this an animated visualization of the code. <laughs> wait, wait. Can you just can't we just download that? Uh, <laughs> you could right now. Let's right click it just... and save it and uh, copy save video as. Now I own okay. <laughs> the same video. It's an MPEG-4, so you can download it right from Sotheby's page. But it's not signed by TBL. Oh, you also God. get a SVG uh, of the a full code, which is 841 millimeters wide by 1189 millimeters high, created by Sir Tim from the original files using Python. With graphic representation of his physical signature at the lower right, you get a letter written 
in the readme.md file in, quote, markdown format by Sir Tim in June 2021, reflecting upon the code and his process of, hey, it's better than the latest Wu-Tang Clan album. I mean... You know what this uh, feels like? What? You remember all those radio commercials you would hear back in the day where you could buy your loved one a star? Yeah, it's like buying a star. Yeah, that's basically what this is. Well, that all turned out to be a scam. By the way, (laughs) I'm going to just, I'm pretty sure, I'm going to fact check the Verge on this thing because they said he's never benefited directly from writing the code that started the web. I'm on um, technologyspeakers.com. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the fee gets, range is a hundred thousand yeah, dollars yeah. or more. I don't That's know if this is point. accurate. I just googled it, but That's like, a good point. Yeah. Come on, this guy's made some money from starting. You the know, web. I, you know that's. I was a little suspicious when it was NBC that said it, but I was a little suspicious when they said. Oh, it. NBC, like, my bad. Yeah, I mean, come on, really? Mm-hmm. He's made some money off of this thing. He he runs the W three C. I'm sure he gets paid to do that. He's Tim Berners Lee. He's a freaking sir. That's not monetary value. Yeah. But I mean, you can't really capitalize on the sir. Yeah, you got a sir. Uh, anyway, Sotheby's tomorrow, everybody. You could spend money on Prime Day tomorrow, or you, are you going crazy tomorrow, Nicholas, because of Prime Day? Uh, I went crazy last week. We were looking at some of the stuff slightly ahead of time to be ready for tomorrow. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff. It's a fun day. It's exciting. People are into it. But uh, for the people kind of writing about it, it is it is a oh. lot of hours. Oh, every tech blogger I know dreads Prime Day. Um, to keep up to date with where people should be going and what they should be And buying. then, of course, Target's doing deal days. And yeah. Best Buy's yes. doing bigger deal sale. And Walmart's doing deals for days. So all of these are all piled up, one on top of the other, tomorrow and the next day. I it's, won't be doing any of them. No. Yeah, it feel it kind of feels like to me, uh, like in pro wrestling, when the two same two guys fight each other over and over yeah. again, you lose interest in the match. Yeah. Uh, Prime Day kind of is like a couple of years ago. It was oh wow, neat! Look, I get this SD card for you know thirty one percent off uh, or whatever it is. I, it, it feels like it's losing the 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 excitement a little bit. I don't know. I, I'm I'm totally in favor of folks saving money. If if you know tomorrow's the type of day, if you if you want to Kindle. Uh, tomorrow's it's a good day to, to buy, buy stuff from yeah. Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, like the Echo. Or I, the I have a list of things that I need to buy Fire. anytime big sales come up, and that list has been empty for like a year. You know, I really don't need anything. If you right use now. the Edge browser, oh my god, <laughs> it'll no, tell I you. No, I feel so bad about it'll that. It'll tell man. you. That's terrible. I feel bad too. I'm going to find. A, no, you. I'm going to find a way to block that. <laughs> I'm sure it's a switch you could turn off. It's got to be. Um, I'm still watching the source code. Uh, I think you should by. you should put that on a screen in the back and just let that go. It's pretty cool. Yeah. What is, I don't, this isn't this isn't Python. This is I think this that's, is Objective no, C. That's it's for the Python. next next computer, right? It's uh, it's object oriented. Uh, watching this go by on the screen, I'm starting to change my perspective. It's so mesmerizing, and I think <laughs> that a you want to buy it. That's just be uh, worth all the money. This is the rest of the episode. Let's We're just, just going to let this one. run. And uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, it's been a wonderful uh, Twit episode. Thank you, uh, Alex Kantrowitz, Big Technology Podcast. Get it right. 
No, keep the scroll going. I we don't need to see Alex. We want to see Tim Berners Lee's source code. Look, I'm in the internet. And <laughs> that can, is he can see the matrix. <laughs> That's the matrix, baby. <laughs> Bigtechnology.substack.com at Cantrowitz. <laughs> no, 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 no. You get a <laughs> pretend you're typing. Pretend you're typing. Bring up the text a little bit more. Uh, there you and go. And then you act like you're typing this out, like you're inventing the World Wide Web right now. Oh, did you did you see that? He's a space guy, not a tab guy. Oh, is oh, he? Boy. Did you see tabs or I, spaces? No, I was seeing spaces. That was a thumb moving. <laughs> tab. Oh, boy, Alex. Busted. Tabs are superior. Well, apparently, I would disagree. I would fight you to death over <laughs> that. But uh, apparently, <laughs> Father Robert Ballasier has the... Tabs. heretical it's notion tabs. that tabs are tabs, better than spaces. Tabs, tabs. He is also the digital Jesuit. Uh, <laughs> go to his Twitter account, Padre SJ, if you want to get in the server and play some Minecraft. I'm going to get in there. I didn't want to play in the Valheim server until I was the beefiest Viking around. Well, now you can show me around because I am horrible. I am a beefy am hell of a I've got padded armor. I've got a black metal sword. I'm still running around naked. <laughs> I could kill you without even touching yeah, I, I, I you. With just a bump look, into me. I could just oh. bump into you. I am the beefiest Viking around. Thank you, Father Robert. We really appreciate My it. Pleasure. Also, thanks so much, Nicholas De Leon from the Consumer Reports, senior reporter, Consumer Reports. It's is it cr.org? Uh, that works. Consumerreports.org also works. You just uh, search Consumer Reports. Uh, will will pop up. You should be a member. Uh, tabs or spaces? Which which is it? Uh, what do you? Uh, I think I always did spaces. Oh, yeah. It's spaces. <laughs> Sorry. Why? Tabs are... It's just so many. No, but Wait, that's... It is. You're right. Uh, well, we got to talk about this for a minute. <laughs> I don't want to leave here without understanding <laughs> the argument for tabs. So... Yeah, what is the argument? There is no good argument What are we doing with the tab? So when you're coding, you people, we, we set our hierarchy of, you know, uh, of mm. loops and stuff. Just watch this code right. while so we talk. You, you need to watch offset. The code. <laughs> See this? This is basically what I was just trying to do. It's, I want to get the code indented. back on the screen. Get that code back on the screen. Yeah. Okay. And the question is, do you indent by hitting tab once or twice, uh, or you type or space, space a bunch? Now, if you're using Emacs and you hit tab, it'll convert it to spaces, because that's the only one true form. Right. So you mm. could use it as a shortcut key, I guess. But ultimately... It can't be tabs. It has to be spaces. You know what? The only reason people like spaces is because it feels better to thump it with your thumb versus tab with the pinky. I don't. I'm. I'm gonna accept it that you're pinkying your tab, but I want it to be replaced by spaces because otherwise, it's uh, the formatting. You don't know what you're gonna. I'm get. gonna make a big button that just sits on the side of the keyboard, but like you could just slap it and it will tab. And I bet people will use that more than the space bar. I wonder how it long this seems feels like good. a lot of work. I wonder how it just long feels good. This is the most. I appreciate you explaining this, but uh, I'm still I am. So so impressed that with yeah. Tim Berners-Lee's comments, he's got – he came – there's no way this is what it looked like when he first wrote it. No. He has gone back in. He has added comments. He's added lines. He's cleaned the whole thing up. He's really – I've gotten is, better about commenting my code as I go. I no longer let it become spaghetti and then go back and go, why did I write this? Look at this. History. Written by Tim Berners-Lee. I'm downloading that. That's actually... I it's will really run a cool video. Background. Yeah. This is my new screensaver. <laughs> That's how... Be a great screensaver. And guess what? You don't have to buy the NFT to do this. Just It's an actually, MP4. That's the next version. That's right Windows Right-click and save. It's Windows 12. We're That's watching it right yeah. now. <laughs> actually, you might not be too far off. The World Wide Web basically is the future of, of all it's operating systems. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank, Thank you, you, Robert. It's great to have all of you. Thank you for being here. We do Twit every Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. 
No, what time do we do it at? 2.30 p.m. I don't even know. <laughs> when I get here. 2.30 p.m. Pacific, 5.30 Eastern, 21.30 UTC. You can watch us do it live at twit.tv slash live. There's a live audio stream and video stream. If you're doing that, chat live, irc.twit.tv. After the fact, on-demand versions of the show uh, available at our website, twit.tv. There's also a YouTube channel dedicated to Twit. In fact, we have a new, I want to send everybody to youtube.com slash twit for our new tech break feature. Whenever breaking news happens, we've been you know, saying, well, we'll wait till Twit in three days. No, we're going to cover it. Right then, um, uh, Jason Howell, Micah Sargent, Aunt Pruitt, and I, something comes up. We're going to put that on the Twit break, Twit tech break uh, feed, twit.tv slash TB if you want to uh, want to subscribe to that. There's also a YouTube channel for that. Um, let's see. We're talking about Twit. Oh, subscribe to your favorite podcast player to any of our podcasts. Um, just search for Twit. You'll find the network probably in all the shows. If you like a show, leave us a five-star review. If you don't like it, we're called Tech... What is it? Big Tech Podcast. If you don't like it, just... <laughs> leave a review. Big, that's my or nemesis. Big Tech Podcast. Uh, yeah, Wait, don't, subscribe. Alex, don't subscribe. Don't, don't subscribe to it. Leave a one-star <laughs> review. Big, Big Technology tech. Podcast. No, no, no. You missed oh, the God. point. I was sending the bad reviews to Big <laughs> oh, Tech oh, Podcast. Oh, I see. Yeah. The good yeah, do reviews. It, do it anyway. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. You know. <laughs> uh, we also have a club for people who hate advertising. I don't blame you. Who wants to listen to it? Sit Leo, listen to Leo read an ad. Just go to uh, twit.tv slash club twit. Subscribe. Ad-free versions of all the show's audio and video. Ad-free means tracker-free, too. Got to point that out. You also get access to our wonderful Discord channel. Some great people in there. And our Twit Plus bonus feed with all the stuff that didn't make it to the shows. Yes, I admit that makes it sound like it wasn't as good as the other shows. It's not. But it's free. So, well, it's 7 bucks a month, actually. So That's like free. It's practically free. It's less than a couple of Starbucks. So go on out there. Subscribe, twit.tv slash club twit. It, it's really what you're doing. Those are little extra benefits. But what you're really doing is getting the source code for the worldwide. No, no. What you're really doing is supporting <laughs> our efforts to keep you amused uh, in these troubled times. Twit.tv slash club twit. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next time. Another twit Amazing. is in the can. And now I shall read a dramatic reading. Of the source code for the World Wide Web. For tab equals zero, tab ampersand LT, P, da- oh, sorry. No, 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 off. you have to read this properly. Space, 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 space,